0: Hello, world. Welcome back to the Flores and Friends podcast. This is part two of the special film by film Star Wars series. If you haven't uh, listened to part one, I don't really know what to tell you. I would highly recommend it. Uh, but before we get too ahead of ourselves, let me reintroduce my hetero life mate. My co pilot of the Millennium Falcon, Benjamin Alexander casson How's it going?
1: It's pretty good. I was worried you were going to get really, uh, really deep there and, you know, call me the, the co pilot of the Millennium Falcon that is our lives. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I didn't have that, uh, all that weight thrown onto me.
0: Well, I, if I ever felt that, which I do, I would never say it publicly. Because that is a lot of pressure to put on someone. Like we just talked about <laughs> Scarlett Johansson and Colin Jost, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> Before we get started into the main topic, we discussed in part one, episode one, two, three, the prequel trilogy and the two anthology films. If, like I said up top, if you haven't listened to that yet, I highly encourage it because we'll probably be carrying over a lot of themes that we talked about on that that one into this one. This will be going out the 18th, literally the day before, Ben and... Well, Ben, are you going to see it opening night? I am. I'm going at 11 o'clock Oh Thursday boy! Night. I'm going at 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock. I'm really excited about it. But yes, this episode will be do- debuting the Wednesday uh, before preview start on Thursday. And then opening night is technically Friday. So this episode will probably be around two hours, hopefully. So that should be plenty of time to listen <laughs> to it and listen to us talk about it. But before we get into Star Wars, which Ben and I... Love very dearly. Today is a special day. We are recording this December 15th. Today was the 45th birthday anniversary, however you want to look at it, of Young Frankenstein, Ben. And Mm -hmm. I, if I hadn't been busy pretty much all day, I probably would have rewatched it. I might rewatch it when I'm on vacation during Christmas. So, but yeah, man, it's my favorite comedy of all time. I said, I put this out online, that, that Frau Blucher scene. I probably watched Young Frankenstein when I was like... Nine, eight or nine the first time? That Frau Blucher scene almost caused me to asphyxiate and die from laughing. <laughs> I don't think I'd yeah. ever laugh that hard <laughs> in my life up until that point. Like, I was dying. What do you, just real quick, what do you have to say about Young Frankenstein?
1: Oh, it's great. The, the whole partnership with Gene Wilder yes. and Mel Brooks, and I kind of also tie that into his partnership with Richard Pryor. Because yeah. I feel like that's all kind of somehow related in there. Just the golden age of slapstick comedy.
0: Yeah. It's it's like I said, it's my favorite comedy of all time, bar none. Like, there's no, like, contender. Uh, I just think that it's – if I want to laugh, I watch Young Frankenstein. And I think what anyone who's watched it can tell, and if you have watched it and couldn't tell, allow me to elaborate. So it was a collaboration. Mainly Gene Wilder was the – he had the impetus for it because he loved those universal horror movies so much. And he brought in Mel Brooks because they were friends and they collaborated. But you could tell that movie, while hilarious and a parody of the genre, especially the Frankenstein movies, was made with love. Like you could tell, like they were genuinely in love with those films. So I think that's, we can't lose sight of that. The fact that while they were having a good laugh about it, they were doing it out of love. That's the best kind of parody. Yeah. Because you,
1: I mean, this is going to go slightly tangential here, but to look, that came out, you know, like recently or recently-ish at least. You know, when yeah. like you look at the scary movie franchise, and you look at, uh, you know, when they did like epic movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and, and uh, all those other fucking genre movies or whatever, yeah, it was just they were just kind of rehashing the tropes. Yeah, it wasn't like they didn't have a, a, a respect or
0: anything. An of endearment, sort of yeah, uh huh. Uh, I, the other thing that leaps to my mind, similar to Young Frankenstein, is Shaun of the Dead. Like you could tell that Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg had an endearment to the George Romero zombie movies, yeah. so it's very similar to that. I just wanted to give it a special shout out because, like I said, it is it is my favorite comedy of all time. Like it, it's it. it I I can't imagine ever not laughing hard. At that movie. Like, I go or the bags. Certainly. You take the blonde, I'll take the one in the <laughs> Uh It's it's a classic, man. I encourage everyone. Yes. I encourage everyone who hasn't seen it, find a copy. And don't watch it with me your Ben because we will ruin that entire movie because we will quote all the fucking lines. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> anyway, so we got bigger fish to fry, but we, we just wanted to give a special shout out to a movie we love very dearly. But we have a task ahead of us because like in the first ep- in the first part you know we don't take the prequels that seriously the anthology films while you know a mixed bag for us too i i i hope it's all right that i speak for you uh ben that like those are you know we enjoy them more or less but you know they we don't take them as seriously but this episode we will be covering what i refer to as the Holy Trilogy, the original Star Wars trilogy, Episode 4, 5, and 6, A New Hope, which was originally called Star Wars but was later retconned to be A New Hope, Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back, and then Episode 6, Return of the Jedi, and then we'll be also discussing the two new uh sequel trilogy films that came out in 2015, Episode 7, The Force Awakens, and Episode 8 that came out in 2017, The Last Jedi. For anyone not aware, Ben and I did a pretty much... May the 4th review of The Last Jedi so whatever we don't cover in this you can go back and listen to that it's a pretty extensive one it's a very very long episode and we're talking just about that film and me and Ben have a very very extensive thorough conversation about that film Uh, Uh again this is all leading up to Rise of Skywalker that comes out on the 20th Ben and I will be seeing it the 19th so without anything further ado Ben you ready? I think so alright just to reiterate just as a refresher the the format of this of this of our conversation will be, like I said, on part one, we could do two hours on probably each one of these films, especially the holy trilogy. Each one of those films is a two-hour episode right there. So what Ben and I are gonna do to make it streamlined is we are going to discuss our what we love the most or what we like the most about each film, and then also what we hate. But I guess more so in this case, what we dislike the most or our least favorite part of each film. Yeah. So, like the least. Yeah. Like the least because uh, Ben and I were talking about this. Empire is going, Empire was very challenging. I got hella nitpicky, man. Like, I was like, oh my God, how can I find anything wrong with this film? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so let's get started where the entire franchise started episode four, A New Hope. Like I said, originally called Star Wars, and then when he started making the sequels, he made it A New Hope. This is it. This is the beginning. Like it's it's an American classic. It changed filmmaking for filmmaking as we know it. The combination of Jaws in '75 and Star Wars in '77 put Hollywood on the path to where it is now. And you can't you can't it can't be overstated how significant this film is. It's arguably, I think, it's still like for adjusted for inflation, one of the most profitable movies. Highest grossing movies, I don't know about profitable, but highest grossing movies of all time. Like Gone with the Wind, no one will ever fucking touch Gone with the Wind because that made like a bajillion dollars, but Star Wars (laughs) is still up there. Yeah. Just as a real quick, how do you feel about A New Hope looking back? It's
1: as good as it was the first time I saw it, and the first time I saw it, I was. Very young. Yeah, I was very young, and it, it kind of started this whole thing with this series for me. Yeah. We had for whatever reason and, and it carried over until I learned better. My parents always got everything full screen, yeah. right? And so we had the uh, gold three tape set of of the original trilogy on VHS. Yeah. So I'd watch that all the time. It was only later I found out that I was a fool to be watching everything in letterbox because it's infinitely better. Yeah. I don't even know if they make full screen adaptations of things because you just you literally you fucking Chop off a piece of the screen. But, you know, that one came in the gold box. The, the letter box came in a silver box. We had the gold box. That's all kind of beside the point, but, um, I, I thought it was a fun anecdote. It is, So, though. uh, so I, I would watch, I, I, I'm sure that I wore out the literal film on those VHS's watching A New Hope. Yeah. And And it's, this movie is, close to 50 years old now yeah everything in it holds up yeah there's a small caveat but that is you know stuff that wasn't present in the 1977 original um but
0: we're gonna get to that
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) but the story the practical effects yeah. It, it, every time I watch it, it's exactly as magical.
0: Yeah. The first thing I'll say is the production history behind this film is worthy of a film itself. Like the story of the making of A New Hope is fascinating alone. Like the troubled, hectic, nuts production history of this film. I highly encourage anyone, if you, especially if you have Disney Plus, check out Empire of Dreams. It's on there. It's a about a two and a half hour long documentary on the entire Holy trilogy. Granted, it's very favorable to George Lucas, and it's you know it's a very sanitized because Lucasfilm produced it, so obviously it's not going to do anything. It's not going to it's not going to tell it's not going to tell a very uh, objective retelling of the production of these films. But it's also very enlightening and very insightful because. Even what they do show is is remarkable. It's incredible that this film survived and became what it did. And I, I just think that the other thing I'll say before we get to the categories here. Classic is thrown around all the time. Like, everyone's like, oh, it's a masterpiece. Oh, it's a classic. But I cannot imagine an argument if you look at American film history, maybe even world, like, all of film history. Star Wars is a classic. It is a defining moment in the history of cinema. And... There's not many films, and there are not many directors and writers that can say that they came out with a true classic. So I know we're, like, blowing this film real quick, but that's because we have such reverence for it. And it's going to be hard to mention some things that hasn't been said because, like Ben said, it's been around almost 50 years. Like, this film has been dissected and analyzed beyond, like, to an nth degree. So, but we're going to do our best, and we're going to give our take on it. So let's get started, man. Uh, ben? this iconic film what is it that you loved or liked the most about this film okay
1: so <clears throat> you know we had a conversation outside of the scope of this pod where i posed a, a arguably difficult question yeah. um and i asked what the question was what's your favorite performance movie
2: by movie yeah for the original trilogy specifically Yeah, yeah yeah um
1: And so I I really have – and I'm going to stick with my answer for this movie and say that it's my favorite thing about it. My favorite thing about this movie is uh, Peter Cushing's performance as Grand Moff Tarkin.
0: A very underrated performance. It's amazing looking back. Like obviously Harrison Ford had been in a few films, but he wasn't a star. Carrie Fisher had – I don't think she had ever been in a film. And Mark Hamill hadn't really been in a major film. I think he had done some TV and some commercials. But like – so you had Sir Alec Guinness and – Is it Sir Peter Cushing? I don't think I don't think he was ever knighted. I don't think he was knighted. Okay, so we'll just say you know Mr. Peter Cushing on this pod. They really held it down. Like they were the weights, they were the rocks, they were the ones who set the tone, especially on set. That's from all stories that I've at least I've heard from the production history. It's incredible how this film would not have been the same without Sir Alec Guinness and, to a lesser extent, but still a valuable extent, Mr. Peter Cushing. So I think he's incredible. Is that like I was talking to you about the scene? where they're about to blow up Alderaan oh yeah by the way spoiler alerts for all these films that have been out for like almost 50 years uh, you know for decades and spoiler alert of course for episodes 7 and 8 since they're more recent but when he's like intimidating Carrie Fisher Princess Leia when they're about to blow up Alderaan that is like low key like quality like quality performance like he just is so commanding of the his presence is so commanding in that scene so character of Grand Moff Tarkin is also
1: fascinating because by all measures, it seems like he is basically on even footing as far as hierarchy goes with Darth Vader. Yeah. You know, and you always think about Darth Vader as being like the big bad guy of the series or whatever. But, you know, you introduce this character and like when that guy is kind of bragging on the, the power of the
0: Death Star and Vader starts to choke him because he's hating on the force or whatever he finds his lack Uh, of faith disturbing
1: yeah and he he tells him not to choke on his aspirations (laughs) Um, (laughs) but it's it's uh tarkin it's peter christian's character that tells him to stop and he listens he's like okay yeah sure yeah And, and 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 that's a big thing like and and i told you this but i'll tell everybody else this now too in this movie and I guess compared with all the other ones too he is at least as menacing as Darth Vader is and yeah if you if you say that in the same set like like Darth Vader is kind of universally accepted as one of the greatest movie villains of all time absolutely and to be able to say that another character that is only in this one movie, and is shown on level with him in bureaucracy settings to
0: be in a, as, in the hierarchy, as he, yeah. is. he
1: makes the movie for
0: me. That is a very unique take. Uh I, I don't think, you know, again, this film has been discussed. It was discussed for years before we did this pod. It'll be discussed for years after. But yeah, I can't deny that he is incredible in this film. And I have to make a slight amendment. I know you probably don't like to acknowledge this. This is not technically the only film that Grand Moff Tarkin shows up, and he has a little bit of in Revenge of the Sith, and then he also shows up in Rogue One, which we talked about, which is ooh boy, that's not gonna. They were ambitious, I'll give them that. But anyway, yeah, so I totally Peter Cushing. You know, he has this whole career as this like horror movie guy, and I don't know how they got him on this film, but he's 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 incredible. Like it's <laughs> it's let me let me go. I have a few things, unless you had something else. But I, I I'll go real quick i'll leave it there yeah my favorite thing hmm it's kind of hard to pick it's very it was a very hard decision here but i mean you could talk about just structure wise this is a great structured film it's like two hours a little over two hours and there is never a dull moment in this film like it just it's probably it's one of my favorite things about this film that i could see why audience latched onto it for we're just like infatuated with this film because once it starts it really doesn't stop there's not a dull moment which you can't say for like return of the jedi or you know the prequels and it's it's just structure wise it's just so efficient and again when you hear about the production history of this film and the edit that was saved that saved this film the the influences behind this behind the camera that's that made this film as great as it is it's it's just a, it's just a remarkable structure wise film. I got to give a special shout out again to Johnny will to God. Uh, wow. Even George Lucas said when he, when A New Hope came out, the only thing he really liked that really captured what he wanted in the film was John Williams' score, and it's an all timer. Uh, I yeah. mean, from the opening fanfare and the intro, the the title screen and the opening crawl, like it's. I mean, what else can you say? Uh, yeah, it's re- it's also a very funny film. Like Harrison Ford, and I guess I'll talk about this in Empire. He's very like the cast is like we talked about in the first part how you had to rise above George Lucas's writing as an actor as to give a quality performance, and it's so incredible how Harrison Ford, how charming and funny he is in this film, how Ernest Mark Hamill is how sincere Carrie Fisher is. It's incredible that they just... You really have to watch the other films that George Lucas directed <laughs> to appreciate how freaking inc- excellent they are in this film. But speaking of performances, my favorite thing, its its it's adjacent to yours. Because while I said that I think Mark Hamill gives the best performance of this film, my favorite performance in this film is is James Earl Jones as the voice of Darth Vader. Every time he speaks in this film, I'm usually, like, quoting the line along with him. He's so good in this film. Like, you had David Prowse do the physical performance of Darth Vader, and David Prowse is a, Scots, a Scottish man, and so I can't even imagine what this fil- what Darth Vader would be like. And I'm, I'll be very sad, not any, not that I'm rooting for this anytime soon, or looking forward to this anytime soon, when James Earl Jones passes away. Like... I just I can't imagine Darth Vader with another voice. Even yeah. in Rogue One, while it was an older James Earl Jones, and he was not, you know, you could te- you could hear in his voice that his voice was a little bit shakier. But he's so amazing as the voice of Darth Vader. Like I just find him, I just find that vo- that vocal performance. It's so fundamental to the character. And I, I discussed in part one how how big of a fan of Darth Vader I am. He's like an icon in my life, and I just fucking love James Earl Jones. Like, you can't separate the two. Like, he will always be the voice of, I know he was the voice of CNN. I know he's the voice of Mufasa. He's in Coming to America. The man has had a very storied, his, like, Broadway, film, television, all these things, but I'm sorry. If you asked me to write the life story of James Earl Jones, I would be like, James Earl Jones, the great James Earl Jones, a.k.a. the voice of Darth Vader. Like, I just love that performance so much. Yeah. Anything else you want to add as far as love and like? Because, again, we're going to try and keep this short, each one, because, again, we could talk all fucking night about each one yeah. of these films. So do you have anything else you really love or like the most about this film? I mean, there's
1: so much to love, but I'm really trying to limit myself here.
0: Yeah. It's – it just works. It just – it's such a it. I think it goes beyond languages. I think it goes beyond races. Like, I think it just is – is just so accessible. I think that's the word. Yeah. I think it's so accessible as a film. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it wasn't, <laughs> I don't think that, I don't even think George Lewis could imagine how successful the film would be, but it's just, it's such a, it's a damn near perfect film. And honestly, the, the remarkable, one of the most remarkable things about it is it's not, it's as great as it is, it's not considered the consensus best, which is just mind blowing. Yeah. Mind-blowing. yeah. Uh, all right, let's move on to the, the more difficult uh category. Benjamin, what was your least favorite thing about this film? Okay. So
1: I'm going to propose challenge
0: mode on this question. Okay. Because there's an easy answer for me and then there is take away the easy answer and then it is hard as shit. Yeah. <clears throat> easy answer, all of the additions that were made yeah. post release. Yeah. That's the easy answer. So for anyone not aware ever since George Lucas re- released uh, the film theatrically or Fox released it theatrically because they were distributors originally, like when he started reissuing it in theaters, like in, in the years between Empire and Jedi and all this stuff. And ever since, you know, he, he would release it in theaters. He would always tweak it a little bit, but the major, the major tweaks, the major changes came out in 97, you know, 30 years after the original film came out with the special edition versions, which, and then there was never, there was no looking back. Basically, he had the technology to tweak it and add stuff that wasn't originally there and altered things he, he in hindsight was, felt was not what he wanted in the film. A certain person shooting first comes to mind. Uh, so it, it was a huge point of contention. Between George Lucas and the Star Wars fandom, the the community, because it is very controversial. Some of the changes he made and will always be controversial. And I think I think what really does it, Ben. And not to hijack what you were gonna say, but like it's the fact that he's so unapologetic about it. Like he just the disregard he has for anyone, like telling him that, hey man, this was stupid. He's like, um, no, um, it's my films. You guys deal with it. Suck my dick. It's like, dude, what the fuck. How can you just like flippantly like tell your fans who like lined your pockets and made you like uh, jo- that's a whole other pod too talking about George Lucas. But anyway, you were saying you were saying about the special special edition uh changes. Okay. Yeah.
1: So <laughs> we can do this we can do this however you want to do it. We can do it in two parts <clears throat> where we first say the worst change, you know, post like cut, like post original cut. And then we say, you know, take away all of those, yeah. you know, additions and, and edits or whatever, and then say your least favorite thing, or we can just cut out the, you know, I don't care, like fuck all the cuts or all the new additions are bad, fuck that shit, and then just focus on the original cut. Yeah, what's our least favorite part? So
0: how do you want to play that? Well, one? let's do special editions real quick because mine's mine's pretty easy. And it's not. It's probably not what people expect because I've just I've kind of resigned myself to be like, all right, fuck it's 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 blown up. Honestly, my least favorite change, and it just—it's so shoehorned in—is the Jabba scene. Yeah, that is—that is is Um, the.
1: I'm I'm right there with you. It's so bad.
0: It's so bad, and it's so unnecessary, and it's so Jabba. He's so good in Return of the Jedi, and it's like save that character for that. It's so bad, and it's it's redundant because a lot of the things that Han says, he says to Greedo. Right before, or he says later on, it's so pointless and it's so unnecessary. And it's just, yeah. just, just why, why, why? And
1: then, and then in addition, they add the thing because, so for people that weren't aware, the film was, I mean, I'm sorry, the scene was filmed originally when they were doing production for the movie, but Java wasn't the established disgusting slug thing that he was yeah, when the, they actually introduced the character
0: the in. giant uh puppet
1: mm-hmm. yeah and so in the original cut of the scene it's a dude it's like this fat dude that's like wearing these furs or whatever <laughs> and so you know han is having this interaction with him and then at one point in the scene while he's talking to him he walks behind him uh, oh, God. and, and so when George Lucas decided, you know what, I'm going to take this fat furry man out and replace him with a CG version of Jabba, like we see, like the CG version of the puppet that we see in Jedi. Yeah. I, I will never understand this. He was like, you know, instead of just like cutting away to like a stock image or whatever of Boba Fett, cause we see Boba Fett in that new, in that Yeah. You know, scene that we added back in or whatever. I'm going to have the special effects team take Han walking behind this guy to mean that he walks on Jabba's tail and the magic of motion blur is going to make it seem so realistic. And even when it first came out it looked like garbage.
0: It's so ugly. It's so there's no other word for it. It's ugly it's just an eyesore it's just repulsive it's it's an ugly fucking it's so terrible like i i know we're talking about a film and it's not the most egregious like it's not a war crime you know it's not gonna be it's just so flagrantly ugly yeah (laughs) it's 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 bad i'll include there's some links youtube links i'll include i think there's a split screen with what it looks like originally shot and what it was changed to and added to. So I'll, I'll I'll include that link in the show notes so anyone who's curious can look at it cuz it's it's quite remarkable and it's it's So that's mine. What is yours? I I think I I can imagine it's, what yours is.
1: No, I think you I think you're expecting me to say Han huh, shooting first.
0: Yeah. But it's not. It's also the Han scene. I mean, I'm sorry, the Jabba scene. It's
1: so bad. It's just so bad.
0: Yeah. And the only reason I don't choose the Han scene, because, like, it's taken on a life of its own. And it's so stupid. And I'm tired of talking about it because it's been talked about, what, for over 20 years at this point. Yeah. It is egregious. It is egregious. And it's stupid. Like, the logic behind the Han shot first and the, well, Greedo shooting first. Or shooting simultaneously, however the fuck it is now. And now they've added Mac- like literally George Lucas. Before- <laughs> George Lucas, when he sold uh, Lucasfilm to Disney, he included a version of a New Hope, which is currently present on Disney Plus, which is what I watched on. He tweaked it again, again before he gave it up. Like, and he added McClunky, and it's, <laughs> it's like, dude, you're just trolling. Like George Lucas, you were trolling. You were trolling us. You were just fucking crazy. Like, what? Why? Anyway, so again, Han shot first is egregious. It's it's like Jar Jar. When talk, we talked about episode one, it's like, yes, it's there. It's been talked to death. Let's just move past it. But as as bad as it is, it's only a moment. And true fans will always know that Han shot first. But that Jabba scene, oh, oh, my God, it's so bad. It's so yeah. bad. OK, so let's get rid of the special edition editions. What's your least favorite? And this is hard because like I said that was the easy part was yeah you know these editions are bad which
2: one is the worst. Yeah. But now taking that away <clears throat> and you got to you get you got to really dig for for mm. stuff that's not that yeah. doesn't work for you. Yeah. And for me I think the thing that I like the
1: least about the movie is Luke is training with Obi Wan on the Millennium Falcon, okay. and Han is like, you know, I've been one from one end of the galaxy to the other, yeah. and there ain't no magical force that binds everything together. And then Luke is like, Hey, I just learned about this yesterday, but you're a fucking moron for not realizing it.
0: <laughs> he changes his tune in Episode Seven, though. Uh, he does. <laughs> Uh yeah we talked about this when we discussed solo, which I listened to I finished that episode that we did part one today of all like I just had been putting it off, but I finished it today while I was doing things we We kind of talked it talked about it that that is pretty it just goes to show like I think we we'll, we we need to do the we need to stress this while uh we go forward, especially with the holy trilogy you, you You talk to Lucas and I think he acknowledges some things were tweaked and some things were changed, but he always presented this he always presents this myth that he had everything mapped out. Like he had everything planned. He had episode one through six planned years. And he was just like, I I have a plan and I'm sticking to it. Bullshit. That dude changed things all the goddamn time. There were things beyond his control that he had to adjust on the fly and change and tweak and all this stuff. So the myth about star Wars being this like story, this complete immaculate story in George Lucas head is, is a fucking myth. And so, that That's just another example of, like, he, he obviously didn't think about that. Like, he, he wrote it on the page. He directed it. He shot it. He had Harrison Ford say it. But he, he didn't really think about it, the implications of that little piece of dialogue in the larger picture. So it's pretty bad. I have one as well. So my nitpick, and it's not that I don't like it. It's fine. I'm I enjoy it. But the trash compactor scene always felt unnecessary to me. Like, it's like, yeah... All right, I get it. They're like, they, they escape the stormtroopers in the cell block, and then they have to fight. It's not even the trash compactor. The snake thing. Whatever the worm thing is that, like, wraps Luke up. If I had to say, if I had to say something that I really didn't enjoy, it would be that. It was just like, that's just, you could cut that out. You could get rid of that. That That's not necessary. You could just go to the trash compacting. Like, that's that's literally, it adds a little bit of... I guess intrigue or like danger to the scene, but the trash compactor scene is all you really need from that scene. You don't need the creature, but I get it. I get it. It just doesn't do anything for me. Not to say that there's anything wrong with it. I just don't. It doesn't. I I think you could get rid of it. And my other big thing, which I can't really criticize because again, there was no star Wars before this, but ever since we've gotten more star Wars, we've seen better lightsaber scenes. I'm a huge fan of lightsaber scenes. The Obi-Wan Vader scene, especially when you look at the larger picture, especially, you know, Revenge of the Sith and Rogue One, that Vader scene, it's very incongruous with, it's a continuity, it's kind of messes with the continuity that, like, why is that, why are they so bad at lightsaber fights? But it was the first. So, like, there was no idea before that. Like, it was, everything built off of that. So, it's kind of hard to hold that against it. So
1: yeah oh and just a quick aside specifically regarding regarding that lightsaber scene do you remember this was i don't know a few months ago yeah when that like fan recorded lightsaber duel
0: yeah between there's a name for it but yeah go ahead fuck
1: that shit yeah like fuck that shit like sure yeah whatever i guess it was cool yeah it wasn't cool though and then, like, you if you like that shit, take it outside of this movie. Yeah. Because it doesn't work. Like, you couldn't replace the lightsaber duel in this movie with that. It literally doesn't work.
0: Yeah. I remember, so I can't remember the name of it, but I'll include the link in the, in the show notes again uh, for anyone who wants to check it out. I remember when the trailer for that, like, it, it, the fan who made it or the production that made it, there was a there was a process because it is it is rather elaborate and I think Disney and Lucasfilm had issues with it so there was a little bit of a legal hassle. I can't remember the exact exact history. But before he they released like the full what they made this year, but there was a trailer that was floating around for it for a few years. And I remember when I saw that trailer, I was like, Well, this is fucking stupid. Why as much as I just nitpicked that scene, the original scene, it's like you didn't improve it. Like y- you made it worse. Like that's what I understand about Star Wars fans sometimes like it's a it's a group that you and I are both a part of that I'm very reluctant to embrace because we are a very mixed bag of a fanhood, and nobody hates Star Wars more than Star Wars fans. That is the honest to God <laughs> truth. but I just don't understand people who criticize George Lucas for tweaking the film, but then also want to tweak the film. It's like no, no, no you don't get to have it both ways, so I'm just like, guys, we've spent this entire, we've spent decades, literally decades, criticizing him for tweaking the film, and yet we want to, like, tweak the film, it's like, no, fucking leave it alone, yeah, there's some stuff that doesn't make sense, the Han line that you mentioned, the, the trash compactor scene, like, I would probably cut that out, but I wouldn't cut it out, because fucking leave it alone, leave it alone, it's, Fine, the way it is should never have been tweaked it's like yeah if there's like some little things you want to like tweak like a continuity error or like something looks kind of iffy yeah all right cool i'm cool with that but adding fundamental changes to the film stop 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 stop, stop this stop this retconning retroactive bullshit dude
2: mm-hmm.
0: anyway let's move on because we got a lot to cover and yeah. this one this next one is even tougher yeah. uh, as far as the things we we can say about it, what we love about it and the the bare bones the, the empty cupboard of what we have least favorite about it so let's get started on episode 5 The Empire Strikes Back generally considered I mean we're gonna rank all 10 films as it stands at the end of this episode so stay tuned for that but generally considered the pinnacle of the franchise Ben what do you think about Empire Strikes Back it's
1: you know, I'm I'm going to have to say something that I don't like about it later on. Yeah. But that being
0: said, it is immaculate. Yeah. Every film that's come out, every prequel film, every anthology film, every sequel film, usually there is one review or one line from a critic that says it's Empire good. Like it is. it is the standard. It is what all Star Wars movies are compared to. It's like that in A New Hope, even though I think most people, while if, I think, I think it's fair to say A New Hope is your favorite, but I don't, I, I have a hard time buying that it's the best, like, that, there's there's a distinction there, and like, if you say A New Hope's your favorite, I can't argue with that. If you say Return of the Jedi's your favorite, like, well, alright, alright, but, okay. But I, I cannot, I find it hard to argue that Empire is not the best, so... Let's get started. I'll go first because I have a shit ton. And I hope, again, I'm not stealing any of your thunder here. I have so much shit written on this page. It's so crazy. (laughs) It's so... God, where to begin? Let's see. Let's get started. Hoth. I fucking love Hoth. One of the great opening battle sequences and one of the great settings in this galaxy of Star Wars. Yeah. I love the dark atmosphere. I love the the tonal shift from the previous one. It's a great uh-huh. it's a gr- it's one of the rare sequels that's better than the original like we just discussed. One little cosmetic thing, in a new hope Vader has a matted look. His helmet is very dry and textured, but in this he's shiny and like you could tell that like they were like let's this looks better on camera when he is like pristine when his helmet and his armor looks pristine. Really love that look. It's carried over into Return of the Jedi. I really love that. Uh-huh. James Earl Jones again. I just got done raving about him. He's even better in this. The The final lightsaber battle is probably the best ever, like, emotionally. Like I said when we talked about Duel of Fates. Yeah. I'll let you talk about Yoda. Uh, Lando, it's funny. Like, the film is legitimately funny. The asteroid field scene. But honestly, my favorite, favorite thing about this film is the gr- the incredible team effort. Behind the camera, which is to yeah. say that this is the arguably the film that has the least amount of George Lucas's influence in it. And again, I'm not—I don't mean to disrespect George Lucas, but there's a reason why this is the best film because it—he let more people in. He was busy establishing Lucasfilm. He was busy establishing ILM, so he didn't have the time nor the energy to do to direct this film. So he gave it off to his old professor, Irvin Kershner, who is just incredible. He's so good at directing this film. And you had Peter. Sh- I hope I'm saying this right. Shoshitsky, he's the cinematographer. You had Lee Lee Brackett and Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote it with the story by George Lucas. All of those individual efforts combined as a team with George Lucas's input to create a masterpiece. Like it is such. Like that is honestly what Star Wars is meant to be in my In my book, it is meant to be a collaborative effort. Yes, we want to have a tone, a feel of each film. But the best way I feel achieving that is a team effort. I can't say enough about Irvin Kershner because unlike George Lucas, he knows how to direct actors and get a great performance out of his (laughs) actors. I really hope I'm saying this gentleman's name right. Peter Krzyzewski, the cinematography, the dark tone, the atmospheric tone, the color palette of this film, Benjamin. Mm -hmm. Lee Brackett, the only female writer of any of the major episodic films. And Lawrence Kasdan, in my opinion, is the father of... Han Solo I really believe because he also wrote Solo which I thought yeah. that he nailed the character not necessarily performance but the characteristic of Han Solo except you know the character problems with it but I still think he nails he knows how to write Han Solo is what I'm saying which I'll yes. talk about with episode 7 as well I know I'm eating up a lot of time and we're trying to keep it tight here but there's, again, <laughs> there's so much to say but my favorite thing you know above the music above the lightsaber scene above the twist at the end is the team effort. And if I had to give it to anyone in particular, Irvin Kershner's direction, he's so good in this. And I don't think he gets, again, there's this mythology behind George Lucas as this great creator. And he is a great creator. He's a great visionary. But it says something that even the best Star Wars film was directed by not George Lucas. (laughs) So I know I just covered a lot of ground. Please, Ben, feel free to share what you feel is your favorite or best thing about this film. So there there are two things that really come to mind for me in this film okay. um, as, as favorites. And the
1: first is a scene that is just... I, I love this scene. There's so much great stuff that goes on for it, and it's not particularly long. It's it's the scene, it's after the Battle of Hoth, when the Millennium Falcon is being chased down by the Empire. Yeah, The asteroid field scene is... It's so much fun. You have so many quotable lines in that scene. You have... Never tell me the odds. And then I, and I, I know that I've told you this before, but for the record, my favorite part of any of John Well, I don't know. This is I don't know if I'll say that it's my favorite part of any of John Williams' music writing for this series, but uh it it, it just it just fits everything so perfectly for me at least is when they're when they're being chased through the asteroid field, just uh the sweeping brass yeah. themes that, that as the uh TIE fighters are chasing the Millennium Falcon through the asteroid field and all, you know, yeah. crashing into each other and blowing up and things like that. It's such a fun and exciting scene. I love that scene.
0: I'll say so much. I'll say this about that 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 especially that track, that score that uh John Williams had. I think you could I'm not gonna single out blind people, but I think you could watch I think you could close your eyes and just listen to that track that piece that he wrote for that scene and i think you could still feel the roller coaster that is that scene just by listening to that that score like that that Mm -hmm. that track anyway please continue sir
1: so there's that also i love the way that the force is explained
0: absolutely absolutely dude
1: because i mean especially especially if you're watching everything in episodic order yeah and you have to hear the explanation of the midichlorians being the powerhouse of the force um did we talk uh, about
0: that on episode one i think we we, we largely I, skipped I think over we that lost over it yeah because
1: it's bad but it's not the worst
0: thing yeah there's so impressive. much bad in that film it is really impressive but that's not the worst thing but
1: It is really <laughs> bad
0: <laughs> Um, would you care well, to share, uh, Like, since we didn't touch on it, w- would you care to talk about, I don't know if we, I really honestly can't remember if we, we went that in depth to it, but share why you think midichlorians in episode one. It's a little bit of, you know, sidetracked here, but like, or, or digression, but midichlorians, why do they suck, Benjamin? Okay,
1: for those of us that watched the movies, you know, John and I were both, we both watched
0: Star Wars before the prequel movies come out. Yeah. And release um, order. And basically it's called release order.
1: So, you know, we have our introduction to the force in <coughs> a new hope, you know, when we, we start out on Luke's journey and Obi-Wan is, is kind of his sage advisor and he's talking about this stuff and, 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 and he talks about, you know, reaching out with your feelings and exploring this entity that's, that's just like, it's there to be accessed. And it, yeah. it's a bond that connects everything all living things Um, yes and it's not really touched on that much in a new hope but it's really it's really a big thing in empire strikes back you know from the scene on hoth at the very beginning of the movie, when uh, Luke is in the Wampus Cave and he and he uses the Force to grab his lightsaber to free himself, and then seeing the Force ghost of Obi Wan telling him to go to Dagobah and going to see Yoda, who really who really nails it as this kind of I don't even I honestly don't even know if spiritual is the right word, just this permeating life force that connects all things. Living and non-living. So we do that and we explore that through the original trilogy and then George Lucas comes out in, in, at the end of the nineties with, with the prequel trilogy and he says, yeah, well, uh, it's, it's, it's just these little microbes and, uh, you know, the Jedi have a lot of the microbes and people that aren't Jedis don't have the microbes. So if you don't have the microbes, uh, you're shit out of luck. And if you do, and if you have a lot of the microbes, then you're, like, super good at the stuff. But if you don't have the microbes, then you're not good at the stuff. And it was
0: just this, you know, it took this spiritual... Metaphysical. Yeah, metaphysical.
1: ...theme and turned it into, like, space aids, basically.
0: Yeah. Star Wars is a space opera, obviously, but it's also science fantasy? Like, space fantasy? Like, there's, there's a distinction between... Space fantasy and science fiction, like Blade Runner, science fiction. You know, Asimov's robotic stories are science fiction. It's it doesn't Star Trek is science fiction. Yeah. Star, Star Wars is fantasy, and Tolkien, to my knowledge, didn't necessarily break down how magic worked to the cellular level. So, I I think that fantasy works best. I think that one of the liberties that fantasy has is that don't dwell on how shit works necessarily. Just explain it enough to have a working knowledge of it. And I think that there was an established working knowledge of the Force that George Lucas just decided to, for whatever reason, just like, well, let's get really detailed about it. It's like, nobody needed needed that. Theme of the Nobody needed that. That, that's, that's the long and short of the prequels. I, I just, I'm, I'm, that, that's why Mark Hamill's so good in Empire Strikes Back. The fact that for a large stretch of that movie, it was just him and a puppet. And not only just a puppet, but a very lifelike, extraordinarily well done puppet with a freaking masterclass performance by Frank Oz and everyone yeah. involved. Like that scene where he's explaining the force to Luke, it's so, it's a, not even a real per, like, it's not a real performer. Like, it's it's a puppet, but you lose sight of that. Like, it just blurs in with the rest of it. You don't question it. At least I don't anymore. Like, I don't even see that as a puppet. Like, it's so lifelike and so genuine. And his description of the Force, luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the Force around you. And it's, dude, it's, god damn, I love this movie, Benjamin. It's definitely top five probably top three of my favorite films of all time seriously like yeah. it's it is mm-hmm. it is the best it is my favorite fran- Is the best film of my favorite franchise like that's all I can say about it yeah please continue with anything else you want to celebrate about this film
1: <laughs> I mean I could I could I could yeah. fucking I could go until Rise of Skywalker comes out if you want to
0: yeah for real but, uh... you know it is famous for its twist the I'm your father which is definitely undercut if you watch it in chronological order like we did Mm -hmm. what else is there to say let's move on to the least favorite because this was a little bit trickier I actually have an answer for this again nitpicky as hell
1: I do too and I don't feel like it's nitpicky I feel like it is a product for me I don't know if you have the same one as I do but uh, for mine I think that it's a product of a new generation that kind of looks at things differently yes
0: I think I know Um, where you're going with this so the big
1: thing for me in this movie is the scene, and it's unfortunate because I really love the Han and Leia story. Yeah, but the scene where they sh- that they share while <clears throat> the Millennium Falcon is you know hanging out in that asteroid that they park in, and Han basically forces himself onto Leia, and then it's like nobody's okay because she really did have feelings for him. Yeah. That's the thing that really doesn't hold up for this movie.
0: The word these days is problematic. Yeah. It's lamentable, but in the context of the time and the character motivations of – the motivations of both characters, it, I think that it's innocuous, but also it is a bad look in 2019. It's – Yeah. It's – like I said, it's problematic. I also wrote that down, but I don't know what you do about it. I, I don't know – again, I'm not a proponent of tweaking things or fixing things, but it's like, it kind of just is the way it is. Mm-hmm. It's lamentable. Did you have anything else? I have one. Uh, no, go ahead. Well, I have a, let's let's talk about a minor one real quick, and I guess we could talk about it in Return of the Jedi, too. Boba Fett, kind of a waste of a character. Just a waste of a character. Honestly, we we talked about how overrated that character is. He gets introduced in this one, he kind of has a little bit of moments, but Return of the Jedi, he is, that is such a Fucking, return, trans, of, dude.
1: return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi. He is garbage, but he is a veritable badass in this movie.
0: Yeah, I guess I'm. I guess I'm kind ta- of. I'm kind of infringing on Return of the Jedi here, but it's just like knowing what's coming for this character. It's like, yeah, man, what a shame. What a damn shame. Yeah, I'll say this: as a kid, seeing this as a very young kid, seeing Luke get his hand cut off, mess with me. So. Any potential parents yeah. out there, if you slow it down, if you watch it frame by frame, you could obviously tell that it looks very fake. But to a small child, that did not look fake. And that was intense. Yeah. So did you see that
1: when they re-released the movies in theaters? In
0: okay. The, in the 90s. I did. did. You see those? I did see so, I don't remember seeing Return of the Jedi, but I yeah. definitely saw a New Hope and Empire in theaters again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing Empire in theaters. And in that scene, when he's like, it's in the, during the lightsaber fight between... Vader and Luke yeah. when he when Luke is kind of like going through like the ducts or whatever and yeah. like not sure where Vader is. Legitimately, I was terrified. Like yeah. I had to leave the theater because I was afraid.
0: Yeah, it's again also goes back to Irvin Kershner's effective directing and blocking and like scene selection and shot selection and just effective visual storytelling. That it's just that whole battle that Luke Vader's duel. And it culminates with one of the greatest scenes in film history with the, that's not true. That's impossible. And it's, dude, that's that scene alone. It's so, in the hands of a lesser director. And I'm not too sure about, I'm not too knowledgeable about Irvin Kirshner's career filmography wise. But like, in the hands of a lesser director, that could have gone so wrong. And so, yeah. like, I don't think I would trust, like, if, in hindsight, I don't think I would trust George Lucas with all that. I I just no, don't. No way. I just don't. Like, it's too... The, the the fight, the duel, yeah, but the emotion of that scene, I don't know if George Lucas was capable, even... No way. I, I, it's not, no. It's, it's good no. that someone else took over that. You know my biggest issue with this, and it's not really an issue because you kind of just have to go with it, don't fucking focus on it, just enjoy the story. The time frame okay. of the movie. You're not exactly sure, okay, how long was Luke on Dagobah? How long were leia han chewbacca c-3po how long were they in the asteroid field how long were they in bespin how what are we talking about here like you could read it as a few days you could read it as weeks like i i think that's my biggest issue like it's kind of hard to piece together they could have done a note i would have given them is like try and clarify that that aspect of the film a little bit more because it if it if you take it literally where they're just training a few, where Luke is just training a few days on Dagobah it's very quick, but also like okay so if it takes place over weeks like the whole Han and Leia and them on the, on the in the in the asteroid and Bespin it's like okay they were there for a while but were they there for a while it's it's just a little murky for me that's all that's my only little nitpick about the film is the big one. I've
1: got I've got an elegant solution for you are you ready for it Okay hit me relativistic physics
0: This is true. But this is not a physics pod. This is a Star Wars pod. And we're not going to go down that bullshit path. Uh, Dude, you know what I... Dude, dude, I I wanted to tell you this. And I'll I'll try and include this as well in the show notes. So deleted scenes. I don't know if you were ever aware of this, right? Someone... I stumbled upon this like literally yesterday, Saturday. So obviously the big icky fact... One icky factor about this film. And this goes to show that, again, George Lucas did not know what the fuck he was doing as far as overall story. Because if he was... Why the fuck did he include this? So Luke and Leia turn out to be brother and sister, and it's revealed and Return of the Jedi. But they do, yeah, they do share a kiss, and not just like a peck, maybe tongue involved. If you were going to the premise that Lucas knew what he was doing and where he knew he was taking the story, um, why? Okay, sure, but dude, so like, and then that that leads to. I really think so. Just a little aside for people who aren't aware. I think I know why Lando was brought in. While I love Lando, I really appreciate Lando. Harrison Ford was never locked in for all three films. Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill were. But Harrison Ford was like pretty much filmed the film. So they never really knew what what they were going to do with Han Solo. So that's why at the end of this film you get him basically frozen in ice. Like yeah, freeze the characters. It, it is so meta. Yeah. And so I honestly think if you want to take another meta-analysis of the film – Lando, if Harrison Ford had been like, nah, fuck this, I'm not coming back, I really think the franchise, the story would have taken a left turn, and somehow Lando would have replaced Han, and maybe filled in, sh- like, like love-wise.
1: Is that is that why he's wearing Han's clothes at the end of the movie?
0: Dude, I mean, it's pretty, <laughs> that's a pretty big piece of evidence, but this also speaks to this, because there's a deleted scene, and thank God they deleted it, because it's even harder to swallow than the kiss that they actually have in the final product, but there's a scene before Han shows up after Luke's recovering and there's a scene between Luke and Leia. I'm not shitting you. There's a deleted scene. I encourage everyone to check it out where they're talking and Luke is like having a hard time confessing that, like admitting his feelings about Leia. And there's like literally a scene where they like almost make out, but they're cock blocked by C-3PO, of course. But it's like very suggestive that like, maybe they were trying to work a love triangle into this because like literally they like look at each other and they start to lean in to kiss and it's interrupted and i was shocked i never knew this scene existed and thank god it does not technically exist because oh boy that would have been very 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 tough to get around dude you got to you have to see it you have to see it like if you get if you think about it check it out it is it is something it is quite something Anyway, well, so... Well,
1: I, I, I honestly, like, that kind of love triangle thing fits in because that's a major plot point for Han in Jedi, is this yeah. perceived love triangle.
0: Yeah. and It's kind of touched upon in A New Hope, because when Han asks Luke, do you ever think a guy like me and a girl like him, and Luke's very quick to go, no, I don't think so. Like, you could tell that Luke was like, yo, bruh, mm. hey, I'm in this game too, so it's like... Ooh, George Lucas, if you always plan on them two being brother and sister, oh boy, you have some explaining to do on that, on those ones. But, yeah, that that's a little problematic, but I think my, yeah, I think, yeah, definitely the the time frame, that's my biggest issue with the film. Again, not a huge issue, love the film, think it's damn near perfect, but if I had to clarify one thing, it would be the time frame, so.
1: Yeah. I I do I do just want to say as an aside it's fascinating that both of us or neither of us I guess chose as one of our least favorite parts the the much maligned cave scene.
0: No, that doesn't bother me.
1: It doesn't bother me either, but everybody always
0: hates on it. No. Well, the re- the reason why that exists, well, the reason why I could tell you why the the uh the wampa scratches Luke's face is because No, 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 no. No, no. no. Not that one. Oh, the
1: the cave scene.
0: Oh, not the hoth scene. The cave scene with Vader. Why would what? That is a that is a setup for the payoff later on. I know. I know, but people always hate on it. I'm I'm like I find that objectionable that people would take take umbrage with that scene. That's that's a very significant scene. Like it doesn't make sense when you see it, but when the revelation arrives later on in the film you realize, oh, that's what that was about. So that was brilliant. I think that's brilliant storytelling right there. Yeah, I agree. I I cannot believe someone would take issue with that scene because that is a crucial scene in Luke's journey in Empire Strikes Back. That's, mm-hmm. that's incredible. That's incredible. But what I was going to say was the reason why the Wampa scratches Luke's face is because in between Star Wars, A New Hope, and Empire Strikes Back, unfortunately, Mark Hamill got to a motorcycle accident, and it kind of, like... It left a mark on his face. It's really not that noticeable, but they realize that, well, people might be wondering what the hell happened here. So we got to find a way to make it make sense in the movie. So that's why, like, very early on in the movie, the wampa sneaks up and scratches him. But I think they're always going to include the wampa scene, but maybe not necessarily, like, that dramatic of a uh, mark left on uh, Luke. So that, just a little tribute there. Um, yeah, man, I think that does it for Empire – that 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 went as pretty well as I expected. It sounds, goddamn, I want to slap myself for like nitpicking this movie. But like again, the <sighs> you know, to be you know fair play, right? Like we want to give no film is perfect. There's always something wrong with it. There's pro, you could always probably find something wrong with any film. So yeah, nitpicky as hell though. Very nitpicky. Yep. If you're ready, let's move on to episode six: Return of the Jedi, the conclusion of the holy trilogy. I think that it's very funny when we get to the last Jedi. And talking about the potential course correction and retconning that will be happening in that we suspect will happen in Rise of Skywalker, Ben, you can tell that this was a course correction for Empire, which is hard to hard to fathom because Empire is so great and it was such a great. It's so it's so well done that you could tell that George Lucas was like, "Okay, we need to like that that was hella dark. Let's make this a little bit more kid friendly or just friendly in general for various yeah. reasons." You know, he originally wanted Spielberg to direct it, but there was a Directors Guild issue. It's very, it's a very interesting story. It's a very Hollywood story involving credits and guild rules. So he got Richard Marquand to direct it. But basically, the the rumor is that while Richard Marquand is the the director, he was kind of the director name only, and George Lucas was very involved in the very much more so than Empire. He was much more involved in the making of Return of the Jedi, and I think that I think that's very evident. What do you think? Yeah, I, I definitely
1: agree. It's. It's exactly the kind of kitsch that George Lucas, you know, lives for apparently.
0: I I told you, I texted you when I was watching this. I had a hard time coming up with things love and like about this film. So I think I'll let you get started. What is your, you know, what do you love the most about this film and which or what do you like the most about this film?
1: I think I think for me, the best part of this movie is uh Luke's scenes on the new death Star, yeah you know, where he has this conflict between light and dark within himself, yeah um, but then again, I feel like those are the darkest scenes of the movie, and they harken back to the themes that were touched on in Empire,
0: yeah, so
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: it's. I think the final space battle, shout out to my boy Wedge Antilles. Uh yes. One of the one of the underrated heroes in the in the on the alliance. Uh he'll be back for Rise of Skywalker, which I'm really fucking excited about. I think we got to give a special shout out to the arrival of Ian McDiarmid as the Emperor. Like, I mean, we had him in the prequels, but that was obviously much later on, but like, I mean, he that was our first taste of the greatness of Ian McDermott as the Emperor. So, yeah. Got to give that a shout out. Um the speeder bike chase that is such a great. That is such a like memorable scene. I mean, it's kind of like I guess it's it's similar to pod racing. The fact that it's like this action that we didn't know we wanted, and then we got it. We we're like, wow, that was really cool. Final space battle. I think I think of the original trilogy, the holy trilogy, the space battle in Return of the Jedi is the best looking one. It's the most elaborate. It's the most well done. Like ILM had had years, had two films of experience. And they were like, this is this. We're gonna show out. We're gonna ball out on this space battle luke realizing what is happening and rejecting the emperor and be like i am a jedi like my father for me great great fucking and then vader like when he kills the emperor i really hate the fact that lucas added the no like it was much better as a more understated when he decides to kill uh the emperor kids people listening Go watch it, especially the newer versions. And they George Lucas added Luke Vader saying "No, no," and then he kills Emperor. That was stupid. I hated that. But honestly, my favorite, my favorite part of Return of the Jedi is after Vader's like, "Look at, let me look at you with my own eyes," and he dies, and he's like, "You were right about me. You were right about me. Tell your, tell your sister, you're right about me." Like. You know, mind that, like, he, again, as we talked about in Revenge of the Sith, totally slaughtered a bunch of innocent children. But, you know, I mean, what are you going to do, right? We can't we can't dwell on that part. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> my favorite thing is Vader's funeral. Because it has a great force melody by Johnny Williams, the god. And and it's a very nice scene. And it's it's so symbolic. It's so cultural. It's got so much context to it. And it's got so much subtext to it. And it's just so well done. And it's... It's us saying goodbye, at least in the physical sense of an icon, and I I really love that scene because, like, it is the culmination – it is the end of Anakin Skywalker's story. As far as we know, we'll see what happens in Rise of Skywalker, but, like, I just think that it's, like – it's our farewell – it's it's a farewell to one of my favorite characters in all of pop culture or literature or film, whatever you want to call it, like, in narrative – storytelling like i just i love darth vader and it was it was it's sad to see him go but i'm glad that he went out especially in that visual sense i love that scene so do you have anything else you want to talk
1: about for love stuff i i always have fun watching the skiff scene on tatooine yeah it's i mean it's 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 really it's just a fun scene
0: to watch all right without any further ado, you want to talk about this is where i kind of struggled as well Cause there's an obvious one, but I hate to be obvious. But like, so what's your what's what did you hate or what did you dislike the most about this film? Ben? there's a very obvious one.
1: I and I feel like I'm gonna say the obvious one. Yeah, the Ewoks are just lame.
0: Yeah, you get but we get it. Like I I, I kind of cut it some I cut them some slack because I get what I get what George Lucas was trying to do. He wrote this. He actually wrote the screenplay with Lawrence Kasdan. Story by him, but he actually had a hand in writing it, as opposed to Empire, when it was Lee Bracken and Lawrence Kasdan. He actually wrote this with Lawrence Kasdan, so I get what he was trying to do with that. I again, this was a few years. This was like almost a decade or so after Vietnam. Yes, I get it, but um, would they really have lost to a bunch of cuddly teddy bears, bitchmen? I don't. I don't really yeah, know. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, And really, as we've stated in the past, he gets no respect. The real hero of that battle of Endor is Chewbacca, because if Chewbacca and those in those Ewoks didn't hijack that ATST, yeah, they, the Empire probably wins that one. So, <laughs> but also, but also,
1: speaking of that, when Chewbacca swings in and yeah. does that fucking George of the Jungle
0: bullshit, Tarzan, yeah, 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 And my best George Lucas impersonation. Um it's a kids movie so you know we got we got to throw in there you know kids like that sort of stuff so. <laughs> It's yeah yeah and honestly when when Leia and you know Han and Chewie and all them go to the Ewok village that is a lull in the movie Yeah and I usually if I'm just watching this for fun, I usually skip that scene because it's like okay. I usually skip to when Luke and Leia are having the conversation about the Force is strong in my family, and he basically reveals that she's his she's his sister. So like, I usually skip to that scene because I also love when when Han is like, you could tell Luke, and then they have a little fight, and he immediately apologizes. I think that's a great character moment. But yeah, I yeah, mean those Ewok scenes, not even just the battle, but the village scene. I'm like, ugh, this is. Really dragging this film down. Uh-huh. But luckily, it's not too extensive, so. Yeah. Uh, but
1: especially with the juxtaposition of the Empire saying, a legion of my
0: best troops. Yeah. The aspect of the franchise that benefited the most from the introduction of the Gungans are the Ewoks, because everyone was like, yeah, man, the Ewoks suck, but goddamn, at least they're not the fucking Gungans. <laughs> uh, so, I forgot to mention. I really love Luke's outfit in this, the all black. I like to wear a lot of black, so I love that outfit. Just I love that <laughs> fit as the kids say these days. I mentioned the course correction. This was also the first movie without Gary Kurtz, who was the producer of the first two, but apparently him and George Lucas had very different opinions on where the last installment should go. And so he left, and I think that's noticeable because you could tell more George Lucas in this than the than than there was an empire and there was missing something. And I think that something was Gary Kurtz. I think I heard – I read a quote some, somewhere that Mark Hamill said that when Gary Kurtz left Star Wars and you know there was George and Gary Kurtz doing the first two largely, it felt like a divorce. Like mom and dad had broken up or something like that. So I think that's another role player in the Holy Trilogy that doesn't get talked about enough, Gary Kurtz's influence because he had a very heavy influence in A New Hope. Mad props to him. Um, yeah. How do you feel about Leia's slave outfit? That's kind of aging. While I really appreciate it, especially as someone who is very attracted to Carrie Fisher in this movie. It's like they're kind of shying away from it now. They've stopped selling merchandise of it and it's pretty iconic but also ooh, it's not aging that well. What do you think?
1: I mean, I don't know. It's 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 always it's it's kind of a bizarre thing. Yeah. Because I guess to get kind of weird with it. Interspecies relationships aren't really things that are touched on. Yeah. In the Star Wars universe, but apparently Jabba knows where the where the the, the dirty bits are on uh, <laughs> all species.
0: Apparently, because
1: because you got you got sexy Leia, you got uh, sexy Twi'lek, also. Yeah, you know, like he's literally a giant space slug, but he's like, well. I gotta cover up the goods. <laughs> we <laughs> um, can't be just
0: giving it away for free. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, it's all just kind of
0: bizarre. Like, yeah. honestly, I really feel like it was just kind of an
1: excuse for George Lucas to have Carrie Fisher be basically naked yeah. for extended periods of time. Because if I if I recall kind of accounts of the scene from even from Carrie Fisher herself, that gold bikini didn't stay on yeah. during during filming and then I think they had a promo shoot like by yes. like an ocean like they went to a beach or whatever Yeah, and it basically like she was just out there in that slave outfit and the waves would just like literally take the whole thing off of her.
0: As two heterosexual males and I think a lot of heterosexual uh, or people who are just attracted to women in general throughout this movie's history like I think a lot of us have an appreciation for it, but also we realize that like yeah, um yeah, that's kind of that's kind of, you know uh that's that's kind of a touchy subject. Um Yeah. But again, I I love I love the aesthetic, but I pre I understand how it's you know, not necessarily kosher yeah. these days.
1: Um, yeah like it's not like I'm not gonna watch it. Yeah, definitely. But uh I'm not going to ask them to recreate it.
0: Yeah, definitely. It is what it is. It is what it is. But honestly, my least favorite thing is and he's touched on he's he's added to this in the special edition version of Return of the Jedi, which I don't know, kind of kind of makes it better cuz we explore different worlds when the second death star blows up and the empire emperor and Darth Vader are dead. But honestly, the ending is kind of whack to me. Like the the group hug session uh, in the Ewok village and it just seems like it should have been a bigger deal. But I guess he was just trying to wrap it up. I don't. I don't really know. But like, you know, I really like the ghost scenes. Not necessarily with Hayden Christensen, but the ghosts of Anakin, Obi Wan, and Yoda visiting Luke, and I, I like that. But like, it's kind of whack that they just decide to celebrate. Like the fucking galaxy's like entire governmental structure just got upended, and they're kind of celebrating with you know teddy bears. <sighs> Yeah.
1: And you know, it's also bizarre. So they show all of these different worlds celebrating, right? Yeah. But like the whole theme of this rebellion was it was like this ragtag group. Yeah. Right. But then this is something that literally the entire galaxy has been rooting for. They show Coruscant celebrating the seat of governmental power in the galaxy is celebrating. It's like, dude, they live here. Like, (laughs) <laughs> Fucking protest or something? Shit.
0: Yeah, I think he really tried to salvage. I think Lucas was aware of how narrow the the celebration was with just the Ewok, so he tried to fix it. But he made the century. He made it. He didn't really fix it. He just made it more whack. So, yeah, that that's probably my biggest issue with Return of the Jedi. Like I said, I had a hard time. I just enjoy this film. I, I love, I love aspects of it. I love the 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 Luke Vader Emperor stuff on the second Death Star. It's kind of unoriginal that they just decided to make another Death Star, but we'll talk about that with Force Awakens. Uh, But uh, yeah, I I don't really have a lot of issues with this. The Jabba stuff, that's another thing structure-wise where it's like the story doesn't really begin until they leave Jabba. And the Jabba tattooing stuff is like a good 20 minutes of the opening thing. So you have like – you basically have like a prologue and then the story really starts. So when he goes back to Dagobah and they save Han and like – so, yeah, it's fun, but honestly, like, it it, it, it doesn't – I don't think it drags the movie down. I don't think it slows the movie down. But you realize, like, oh, this is just a fun little romp before the real story kicks in, like the larger scene, the larger picture, uh, the larger story kicks in. So I don't really have a problem with it, though. I enjoy the job of stuff. So. Yeah. All right, man. I think that does it for the holy trilogy. An hour and a half in, more or less. Yeah, that's about right. There's about half an hour each on each film. So, yeah, that's about that, 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 that tracks. Yeah. I mean, fuck, again, I know we keep saying this, but if we had, if we had planned this better and Benjamin and I had less obligations time wise, we probably could do out an hour on each one of these. But, yeah, we don't, we don't, again, we don't have the plan, the planning. And honestly, what more could we add to the conversation? Uh, so I think we're, what we're doing is fine. So, but yeah, man, that does it for the Holy Trilogy. Again, classic trilogy, probably the greatest trilogy in all of cinema history, at least American cinema history, so it's iconic, and I still wish I had my VHS copies of it because I had the ninety, it the 93, 94 copies where it was like the last versions before he released them, the special edition one, so man, I really wish I still had those. I, if I ever think about it, and they're not too outrageously expensive, I might track down a copy on like eBay or Amazon, and find those original, find a copy of those original VHS tapes. You no,
1: know, no, you know what we need to do? We need to get the laser discs.
0: Oh fuck that! I'm not getting a laser disc. Fuck laser discs, man. But yeah, I'll get a laser disk for that. I bet that's really expensive though. So
1: that is that is that is like the like the cut from those. Yeah. I think the only thing that got changed for those. Was Han not shooting first? That's like a 99% pure cut. Yeah. It's,
0: Colombian. Do you think they'll ever release it?
1: <laughs> no. No. Do you, do you think they'll I, ever release the original? I bet you George Lucas deleted it because he's a fucking asshole.
0: Yeah. The, he always said that there's no original version to re-release. Like, it's like, well, fuck you, George Lucas. You... And again... Uh, this is a larger conversation of who does the art really belong to the artist or the audience i lean more towards the audience but that's because i'm part of the audience i would imagine an artist feels differently a creator feels differently but i think that it's awfully disrespectful to an audience that was very devoted to george lucas and very appreciative of george lucas for him to be like well fuck y'all
1: it's like <sighs> yeah and not just cosmetic changes
0: but like yeah actual substantive like, characterization. changes yeah, yeah. It's a shame, but I still love it nonetheless even though the there're special edition tweaks that I very much object to. I still love them. Overall, the overall quality while diminished, it was not irreparably or significantly diminished where I think that they're unwatchable. So I still really enjoy it. And of course, Empire, I think you could track this has the least amount of tweaks and changes cuz oh. I think I think even he realized, yeah, this is pretty pretty damn perfect. Definitely. Definitely. Okay, so last two. Uh, I don't know if we'll talk about Last Jedi that much. There are some things we could talk about, but again, we did a whole episode on Last Jedi. But let's talk about The Force Awakens, man. Episode okay. seven came out twenty fifteen. I don't think I've ever been more excited about a film, and mm-hmm. feel like it paid off. Like I honestly feel like a uh, little spoiler alert. I lean more towards Force Awakens rather than Last Jedi, and I think you're the vice versa. So. Yes. I, I was so excited. We saw this film together. You, Morgan, and I saw this film. I waited. Uh-huh. I literally bought tickets and I literally waited in line hours to get the best seats. And I think I like to believe we got the best seats in the house, but we that was a fun seats. day. That was a fun day because we went to IHOP right after we talked about it and it was so great. Uh-huh. But yeah, man, I just feel like that film delivered. Like I, the hype was like almost insurmountable, but fucking JJ Abrams and Lawrence Kasdan and Michael aren't to an extent. And Kathleen Kennedy, they fucking threaded that needle, man. So let's talk about it. Since you aren't as high on this film as I am, while well, I think you still enjoy it, let's 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 start with you, man. What do you love the most, or what do you like the most about this film?
1: Yeah, that's a toughie. My kind of gut reaction is I I I love the scene where Ray and Finn hop on to the Millennium Falcon and they have that uh, yeah.
2: that that dogfight in the guts of the star
1: destroyer. Yeah. That's uh, that you know, that scene is just so much fun. Yeah. Um, and and I also I re- I remember watching the, when we watched this movie at the, at the beginning of the movie when you have after the first order descends upon the
0: village on Jakku. Who, who was on Jakku, right? Yeah. When, Shout out to Max oh, Valensido.
1: Yes, one of the all-time greats. One of the
0: all-time greats.
1: And Kylo Ren freezes that laser. Yes. Bolt.
0: Yes, yes <laughs> bitch. Yes. Yass queen. yas. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man. Just so cool. I just seeing that like literally yeah. watching that for the first time mouth wide open like what a badass.
0: Yeah, dude. Quickly establishes how awesome that character is. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. What do you have anything else? Cuz I have a few things.
1: Also, a lot of love for letting a Woman be such a integral, like like the protagonist of the movie, arguably.
0: Yeah, definitely. And then the other,
1: or the second protagonist, or arguably co-protagonist—I don't know what you're to call it—being a person of color.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they they definitely included some diversity, which lack was lacking. I think that's one unfortunate con of the original trilogy, the holy trilogy, is the fact that. Not that inclusive and not that diverse. Could have done more, but again, it was a peri- it was part of its time. And unfortunately, the Holy Trilogy was not the only film set of films that suffered from that lack of diversity and inclusivity. But uh, yeah, I I love this film. It's my favorite. It's it's top three for me. I like it more than Return of the Jedi, which I'll get we'll get to in our final rankings. So I love so much about this film. First off, special shout out, and I think you'll agree with me on this Daisy Ridley. Hello, hello. She is so <laughs> lovely. You know, in the film, outside of the film, wherever she goes, she is a very, very lovely, lovely woman. I really love Ray. Really dig Ray. Really love the new cast. Love Kylo. General Hux, eh. I like, but I love Donald Gleason, Don Ho Gleason. So I really dig him. Lawrence Kasdan came back; they brought him back. Originally, it was we going to be done by Michael Arndt, and uh, but they had a problem with his script, so they brought in so JJ and Lawrence Kasdan. They came and rewrote the script, although Michael Arndt got credit. Like I just think the Han stuff. It's again, what I said about Empire and 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 Solo and Return of the Jedi. Lawrence Kasdan, I really feel like he knows Han Solo is his baby. Like Han Solo is. He knows how to write Han Solo and especially the dynamic with Han and Chewie. I really love that. And there's a lot of funny back and forth between like my favorite line is when he's like, that's not why the, that's not how the force works. And Chewie growls and he goes, oh, you're cold. He's like, dude, it's so good. It's so good. Um, really love Han and Chewie. I really love Han and Chewie. I love the film's tone and playfulness like it's a fun fun film and that's probably my one of my favorite aspects of it is just it's a fun film like it, it had so much working against it because you had the baggage of the prequels it's starting oh. a new chapter in the franchise so it had to like start off on the right foot and i really got to give credit to jj i really feel like he understands star wars and he has a way of conveying a very fun albeit there's some things that i'll talk about i don't like about jj's storytelling but I think overall JJ is the right man for this job. I'm really excited what he does with Rise of Skywalker. Well, he could go south, but we'll we'll we're, we're gonna be optimistic about that. So my favorite, favorite thing though, my favorite, favorite thing about the Force Awakens is Finn, is John Boyega, FN2187. I love Finn. I have a poster of him in my apartment. Currently he's the my profile pick because Finn is my favorite character in the new films. And I really connect to him because he's just an average guy. He he's caught in the Force Order's web he really wasn't given a choice they kind of just abducted him more or less and he rejects it and he wants to be a better person eventually he runs but he realizes it's a fight he needs to fight in and although he's not the Jedi like Rey is the Jedi that is the you know the new Jedi I really love when Finn picks up the lightsaber to fight Kylo he gets his ass whooped but I really love those scenes I just love Finn man he's my favorite I love John Boyega and Attack the Block and I really really love John Boyega In The Force Awakens. And The Last Jedi. And I'm really looking forward to what he does in Rise of Skywalker. So, yeah. Finn is my favorite part of The Force Awakens. Do you have a favorite new character, by chance? Oh, special shout-out to Maz, too. Maz Kanata. Fucking uh, Lupita Nyong'o. Quality, quality supporting role.
1: You know, so I'll I'll
0: qualify this. In Force Awakens. Yeah. I was a huge Poe fan. (laughs) Oh, boy. I loved Poe in Force Awakens.
1: Uh, And so I'll leave it at that for
0: that movie. (laughs) Because I'm calling dibs. I'm getting it on the record now. When we talk about Last Jedi, I'm calling dibs, all right? And I think you know what I mean by that. (laughs) Yes, Uh, I do. So, yeah, it's cool. He's really fun, and he's not really in it that much. And I think originally he was playing – they – the story was he was going to die or very early on, but I'm glad they kept him on, at least in this film, because Oscar Isaac is such a charming, he's such a charming actor that like, even though you might not like him, like I do, the character, <laughs> Oscar Isaac, man, I just want more Oscar Isaac in the world. Like, he's so great. Yeah. He's so charming and so likable. Anyway, oh, I also really love that, I think we talked about this in the prequels, there was a conscious effort to go back to shooting this film on film. Mm-hmm. And also practical effects and practical yes. practical set design and production design. I really love that. I really love that. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's uh, – God, I love this film so much. I was I watched it again, I think it was Friday or Saturday, and god damn, I love this film, Benjamin. It's so much fun. I love it so much. Okay, let's talk about what we hate or dislike the most about this film. Uh, why don't you go first, man? I
1: guess if I had to pick, the thing that I like the least about it is – that it is derivative. Yeah. It really is a new hope all over again. Just like reskinned.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Which is fine, because a new hope is good. We talked about this. A new hope is good.
2: Yeah. But, you know, and the prequels,
0: as shitty as they are, they weren't. Rehashes. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's one of my least favorite things. And I feel like while it's familiarity and it's effective, it also opened it. It made the film vulnerable to, I feel unfair criticism and backlash that I have so many people that like, I already saw that movie. I saw it when it came out and I saw that you I've seen a new hope already. I don't need to see a force awakens. I'm like, yeah, all right, cool. Sure. All right, Mr. EdgeLord here. Fucking oh, uh, it's the same goddamn movie. It's like it's it's the same template, but it's not the same movie. That's like my one of my biggest things. It's like you sound ignorant when you sound when you say I'm not saying I totally agree with you. It is derivative. It's the same pretty much beat by beat here. And I really think they included that Star Killer base not because they wanted to include another Star Killer base, but I think that they were like we need a space battle in the third act. How do we do that? Well, let's just do another fucking Death Star, basically. So I think that was for yeah. practical reasons. But yeah, I feel like it. It, it that's its, probably its biggest weakness is the fact that it's so derivative, unfortunately. Like, again, another Death Star? Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, what else do you have? Anything else?
1: That's my big one. I guess I'm not super crazy about the cameos, but they don't really detract that much. It's yeah. just kind of bizarre for it to be like, oh, look, that's Daniel Craig. <laughs> or oh look, that's Simon Pegg. Yeah, you know.
0: Yeah, I, I, I although I really like the Daniel Craig one. I really did. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm, I, I'm
1: I'm honestly not mad about it, but yeah. it's just you know, it's just like that's not really what I expect in a Star Wars
0: movie. Yeah, I'll save Snoke for episode f- for Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Th- that there's more on that in in the next one. Um, yeah, the Star Killer base awfully derivative. Another Death Star. Okay, sure, why not? The Wrath Tar scene. Um, eh, not really my jam. Again, I'm not it, mad about it. Again, it's like the it's like the trash compactor scene in The New Hope. If you asked me to cut something out, I would probably cut that out. And I understand why it's there because it's giving a little backstory on Han Solo. I get it, but honestly, I'm like, this doesn't really feel like it fits. It gels a hundred percent. But okay, sure. It's it's not. It doesn't overstay its welcome. I just think that it's like, you could probably cut that out. If you you were to restructure the film a little bit, I think you could probably find a way to diminish it or cut it out completely. But again, all right, cool. It exists. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. No hug for Chewie. I think we talked about this literally yesterday. (laughs) Like, okay, so we were thinking about this. I was like, wait, wait, wait. Time out, time out, time out, time out. So Han's dead. They make it back to the rebel base on the Ielenium system. I can't remember the name of the planet, but the Ilenium system, they rush Finn to like, I guess the, the medic tenant, the medic, uh, the emergency room. Let's call it the emergency room. Chewie's following him and he walks right past Leia. Neither one of them stopped to hug. So then Ray gets off the, the millennium Falcon kind of sad about the fact that, you know, Finn just got really injured and Han's dead. And then she spots Leia and, Again, I don't. I think we settled on this. They had never met before this scene, and they just decide to hug. I'm like, so you hug the complete stranger, but the your your former husband's best friend who just lost his best friend. You decide not to hug him. Uh, okay, sure. That's a little weird. Uh, all right, all right, cool, fine, whatever. All right. Uh, so yeah. while we're on the topic, I am curious because in rise of skywalker they're using
1: footage that they had of jerry fisher so i wonder if in earlier cuts of the movie ray and uh leia
0: meet yeah that would be interesting uh we'll see how that shakes out but yeah that's the that's the rumor i'm very curious to see that that's one aspect of rise of skywalker i'm very interested in seeing but honestly my least favorite thing and i guess we could touch on this with last jedi because let's talk about what playbook are they running Are they all on in this trilogy? Like, what is the overall story of this? There seems to be a disconnect as far as what's important in Force Awakens and what's important in The Last Jedi. But honestly, my least favorite thing about The Last... I'm sorry. My least favorite thing about The Force Awakens is the mystery box aspect of The Force Awakens. Like, it sets up a lot of questions that we expected to be answered in The Last Jedi. And they're more or less answered, but kind of like a very, like, underwhelming answer Although the raised parents thing you and I both liked. Hopefully that doesn't get upended. Uh um, yep. but yeah, man, that's just part of JJ's kind of a his his shtick, for lack of a better word, that like he kind of sets up things and you're like, ooh, mystery. It's like <laughs> Really though, you could have like Luke skywalk like luke's lightsaber or anakin's lightsaber that was luke's and found its way to maz's maz Kanata's place like how did you get that well that's a question for a, that's a story for another day and uh-huh. raised parents why is Rey, That should first of all shouldn't even been a factor to begin with raised parents are irrelevant but again it's star wars so parentage is a big fucking thing it's like yeah that doesn't like it shouldn't even been a topic like Anyway, so that's probably my least favorite thing. But again, it goes into JJ's thing. So I think the overall value of JJ's involvement and in creative direction and creative storytelling, I think it's a net positive. But if I had to bring up the negative of it, is the mystery box shit that that really annoys me. And uh, it annoyed me at the time, but it was only made worse by the Last Jedi. Not to not that that's necessarily the Last Jedi's fault. How did you feel about the Ray? becoming an instant badass at things and again that's it may be an unfair characterization of the situation but that was the general impression by a lot of critics the fact that she immediately became good at like everything because of the force what do you think about that
1: it's kind of a weird thing because you know you you kind of harking back to that with uh with luke in empire yeah like like you were saying you don't know how long he spent on Dagobah, but it doesn't seem like it's a particularly long time. And even before that, he's able to use the force to grab his lightsaber.
2: Yeah. So I don't know. I'm really not that mad about it. Me neither. The
1: only, the, the, the thing, the thing that does get me though is that you have this, and I think I talked about this in the last podcast, you have this kind of like this weird like coup state universe going on where it's like it's both the jedi nobody knows who the jedi are anymore yeah. and also people know all of the stories about the jedi at the same time
0: yeah it's very um, incongruous like it doesn't really it's it's uh, it's kind of weird yeah
1: yeah because like you know because you have ray uh we're talking about daniel craig you have ray you know using the jedi mind trick on daniel craig's stormtrooper yeah and that's it's not like that's a thing Because apparently people don't really know about that. Like, we have to have Han Solo tell us that the Jedi were a thing, and it was a, you know, it was the real deal. And it's all, you know, it's all, it's like Schrodinger's lightsaber going on (laughs) in this universe, and it's just bizarre. So that would, that would be, like, if if I wanted to, you know, split hairs, that would be the hair that I was splitting.
0: Yeah, see, I I'm in the same boat as you as the fact that I wasn't bothered by it. While I think it's a valid, it's a valid topic to bring up. I think that it for for sake of you know you don't want to waste runtime on explaining why Ray's good at this, why Ray's good at that. Fuck it, doesn't matter. I think that that's one of the beauties of the Force. Like it is whatever the story needs it to be, and that that might be a cop out, but I just think that it's like. It's the Force. It is beyond our explanation and necessarily our understanding. So if the Force selected her and imbued with her – I guess she has the midichlorian encounter some bullshit. But like just – I just was like, well, this doesn't make any sense. I'm like, it doesn't need to make sense. It's the Force. It's the Force. The Force awo- was awoken in Rey and – yeah, and I think they do enough because Kylo even says, like, the more she tries out her powers, the stronger she'll get and the better she'll get. So it's like, I feel like there was enough in the text, in the story to cover it. And it's just, like, it is unusual. Like, I think they acknowledge that this girl is, like, why is this girl so powerful? They're not, like – I think that they do enough to cushion it or allow it to make sense in the story. So I always thought that it was unfair to call her, like, oh, she just – instantly good at everything like no she's not instantly good at everything like she she she's a fighter she knows how to use a weapon why her using a lightsaber is like oh that's hard to believe fucking finn was just using it for a second there and he's never really used a lightsaber so it's like it's just like guys come on now guys really are we really gonna get hung up on this because like you could make that criticism about anakin you can make that criticism about luke let's not get bogged down by this fucking who cares why are we trip again nobody hates Star Wars and nitpick Star Wars like Star Wars fans so it's like I really hate being a Star Wars fan sometimes Ben because we really are just ungrateful and just just unnecessarily critical and it's fucking stupid it's a waste of time we just like to be angry about something well not we but like the community likes to be angry about something which I think is a great segue <laughs> to the Last Jedi. <laughs> oh man! As we've stated multiple times, we did a whole episode on this, and it got pretty. It didn't get intense, but it, we 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 had a healthy debate about that about the Last yes. Jedi. So we,
1: we we have our opinions, and they're not weak. Yeah,
0: yeah. and I just want to say. I don't hate The Last Jedi. I really enjoy The Last Jedi. Every time I watch it, it gets better for me. I don't think it's... I I prefer The Force Awakens, but just because I prefer The Force Awakens does not mean I think that The Last Jedi... It's not... I don't... It's not as... I don't like it as much as The Force Awakens, but that doesn't mean it's inferior, or it lacks merit, or it's a shit show. Like, I genuinely enjoy it it's just a different flavor of star wars film which i think there's room for and so i think that people who hated this film are fucking unreasonable and fucking just ungrateful i know i've done a lot of talking but i'll go first because i don't have much to say about this film that i haven't said already i'll let you do it because this is more your film than mine what i love the most about this film or what i like the most about this film i have a few things honestly it was a tough one to decide between mark hamill his Luke in this, I really, I really love Mark Hamill in this. And I, every, again, every time I watch this film, I get a new appreciation for it. While I love Mark Hamill in the ending, the first few times I saw The Last Jedi, Luke's death (spoiler alert) made me tear up. But honestly, my favorite, favorite part thing about The Last Jedi is the Ray Kylo situation. Like their their relationship, <laughs> that that dynamic is just throughout the entire film. I think that's my favorite. Like, honestly, I think they're really good together. I'm not, ai don't ship them. I don't think, I don't know why people want to make them a couple. Like, fuck that. I really hope they don't go down that road with rise of Skywalker. But except for that particular shirtless scene, the way they're connected (laughs) in the force, I really dig it. I really think that they grow and they have a very, very fascinating dynamic. And I really love that when she tries to convert him and he disappoints her and, they're, it's really good they're really good actors and I think they really really play off each other very well so mm-hmm. what do you love the most about this film Benjamin?
1: I think I'm going to be very broad and sweeping here yeah but I think it's the most efficient way to talk about my my, my favorite part of this movie is just the immense character
2: development all of the main characters in this new trilogy yeah so
1: for me watching this new trilogy You know, it was basically like, so we had more or less a rehash of A New Hope in The Force Awakens. Yes. And so I saw that and I was like, okay, so basically what we're doing is, and especially when they were like, you know, Han Solo has his thing in Force Awakens and Mark Hamill has his thing in The Last Jedi and regrettably Carrie Fisher didn't get to have her thing in what is now The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. But it was obvious to me that what they were doing was basically they were taking these archetypical characters that we had, a trio of heroes in the original trilogy, and they were reskinning them for a new generation in this new set of movies. And so it was fascinating to me to watch them to watch Ryan Johnson kind of groom these characters into their archetypes at the end of the movie, and and it's and it's honestly it's typified at the end of the movie, or spelled out or the movie when Luke and Kylo have their confrontation, yeah, and and he and Kylo like lashes out at him, and Luke says, "Impressive, every word you just said is wrong, you know, the rebellion is reborn today, and." I'm not the last Jedi, and they, you know, and they show each of the new trilogy main characters yeah. as they correspond to their, you know, janitor characters in the original trilogy. So it's so that whole character development where you take Poe, who is a piece of shit in this movie.
0: Yeah, hey, hey <laughs> I call dibs. I call I, dibs. I'm, hey, I'm not going to go into it. You can go into it. Yeah, but you take him being a cock and then you you know and then you basically make him into leia's character yeah by the end of this movie and you take
1: finn and you have him make more or less the same heroes journey that han takes yeah. where he goes from being selfish to being selfless yeah and then you take ray and you take her on the same spiritual journey that luke took yeah, and so that parallelism, that that rhyming, as it were, yeah, that is my favorite part of this movie.
0: I think that's a very astute assessment of of what's going on in this film, what's at play. I think that Ryan Johnson, it's really a damn shame that here's a guy who obviously has been a fan of these these movies for his probably his entire life, and he brought something unique to it. Not everything about it that he brought to it, I really like the humor, some other things. But here's a guy who's like, I want to make the Star Wars film I've wanted to see my entire life. And goddamn people are – some fucking grown-ass children just made him – like props to him. And he weathered that storm a lot better than I think a lot of people would. Like just the ungrateful, like overzealous, whiny – I'm really trying to get rid of this word in my in my vernacular. But the bitch-ass response that he got from so many just awful, awful – like – parts of the fandom that i'm just like look ryan johnson you're good fuck those people all right fuck them and their stupid fucking faces god damn ben i i just that's one of the things i hated about it not to get ahead of ourselves here but the backlash like i thought the backlash against force awakens was bad and unfair god damn benjamin god damn the last jedi it's it got so much shit for like what what are you talking about like what are you how can you hate this film? like again, I, 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 we've talked about this it's been out it's been out two years at this point, basically. Mm-hmm. I don't hate this film. It's not my favorite, but I still enjoy it. I'm just like, how can you hate this film? Like, what about this film would drive you to hate? Do you like it? Mm-hmm. Okay, you don't like it. you know it's not your favorite. I understand that you you had to you take issues with it. I have issues with it, but hate, really? How, how? I just it, it it perplexes me. I did want to mention a few small things I like that I didn't mention. Puppet Yoda. Yes. Canto Bright looks amazing. Not necessarily too keen on that, but Canto Bright, especially in again, new fancy big TV that I got earlier this year. Disney Plus <laughs> high definition. Canto Bright looks amazing. That that seat that sequence, the casino looks incredible. Props to Ryan Johnson on that insertion of war profiteering fucking a like yeah okay there's some depth that we've never gotten in a star wars film rose tico she's growing on me i think i said in the episode we did originally rose tico kind of iffy on she's growing on me i'm actually not that not that bad on her oh i mentioned mark hamill's death kind of rewinding a little bit han solo's death in force awakens always gets me dude always fucking gets me that is such a well done emotional scene that it's just like i think it's Emotionally, the highlight of the film, and maybe when Ray and Kylo fight, that's probably the next closest emotional peak. But that Han Solo's death—it's so good. It's so it, again, I'm Chewy in that scene where he's like yelling, roaring at the sky, like no, like that's me, dude. That's me and Chewy, same page on that one. Yeah, I really like that. Again, we've said this. We're we're covering a lot of ground. We covered in that episode we did on this. Really love that Ray's parents are nobody. Please. Please, JJ. Please, please don't change that. Please don't change that. I really... I am going to be so fucking bummed out if they fuck with that, Benjamin. Yeah. I really hope. Please, please, JJ. Please don't fucking change that. That was one of my favorite parts of this movie. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay, everybody take a seat here. It's time to talk about something. Let's talk about what I hate about this film. Now... As Benjamin knows, I have a particular issue I have that we covered extensively on that episode we did on this, the whole my holdo hang up. I won't go over it I won't go that in detail, but I just have some problems with some of her choices in this film. Again, you wanna hear more about it? Go check out the episode we did exclusively on the last jedi uh it was a may 4th 2018 episode so it came out last year dj really still don't like dj it's the accent dude just get rid of that accent and i think that would do go a long way talked about this leia survival still stupid to me some of the humor that fucking luke tickling ray with the little leaf thing fucking oh it's so stupid so stupid i hate that i hate that so much but let's talk about my least favorite thing Two words. Poe fucking Dameron. Well, three words now. Poe fucking Dameron. Poe Dameron is so awful in this movie. And the only saving grace of him is Oscar Isaac. Like, Oscar, like, again, I said in Force Awakens, he's so charming and likable that even when I hate this character, I still kind of like him because I'm like, well, it is Oscar Isaac, so he's so so good. But Poe Dameron is so awful in this. He... He has a mutiny. He causes a mutiny because he doesn't understand that, bro, this ain't about you. Sit your ass down. You get people killed. You're in time out. And the worst thing, it's not even him. And I've said this so, Ben, I'm sorry. You've heard this so many times. You've heard this so many times. I'm so sorry. But there are people listening that haven't heard this. He literally causes a mutiny. I didn't write down the exact line. But he gets subdued. He gets stunned. They're taking him on the ship. Laura Dern. I'm paraphrasing here. So Leia's... They're talking about Poe. And Laura Dern, paraphrasing again, says... That one's a troublemaker. I like him. Like, what? What is that? What is that? What is that? What? Ben! Oh my god, it gets me every goddamn time I watch this movie. Poe Dameron deserves to be locked up in a brig somewhere. I get they're desperate at the end. They don't really have a lot of people, so they need him. But Benjamin, he's so unlikable as a character in this film. He does so many stupid things and so many, like, flagrantly dickish things in this thing. It's like, goddamn, Brian Johnson, what the fuck? Why did you do this to Poe Dameron? He's so awful in this film, except for Oscar Isaac. But it's just like, (laughs) God, he's so... Oh, I hate Poe Dameron in this film so fucking much, Benjamin. I know you know that, but I'm just re-emphasizing how much I hate Poe Dameron in this. He's so fucking obnoxious and cocky, and God fucking damn it, Poe Dameron. <sighs> okay, I got it out. Please, what do you like? What do you hate or like least about this film? This is a
1: hard one for me uh, because uh, Last Jedi is really high up there for me, and I'm yeah. sure they will See that when we go through the rankings. So, so this this is a toughie for me, uh, for sure.
0: Let me and ask you. Let me ask you this before you answer. What is one aspect of the film that you thought that got criticized? Because there was a lot of criticism about this film. What do you think is the biggest aspect that was criticized? That you think was criticized unfairly? Like, for instance, like laser sword. Like, I thought I always thought that was stupid. Like, people got hung up on that. That was fucking <laughs> stupid. What's the What's the one that stands out for you that you thought was this is just completely unfair that it's getting uh criticized for
1: i think finn and rose's story is shat on constantly
2: yeah and i think that that's unfair uh i think that i think that for
1: that a lot of people that do that don't really realize what the purpose of all that is yeah you know like because and i don't know that this is necessarily so finn as we
2: see him in you know in in the force awakens yeah. You don't
1: really like you could read into it more and kind of see what Ryan Johnson saw for the character and then kind of double down on it in this movie. But so Ryan Johnson's take on Finn is that he is selfish. Yeah. And you kind of see that at the beginning of Finn's thing where he's pretending to be a member of the resistance so that he can get away. Yeah. Or whatever. But then, you know, you kind of but then it then JJ kind of sort of redeems him a little bit and makes it seem like it's not selfish, the reason that he's going to uh Star killer base and stuff and yada yada yada. But uh Ryan Johnson takes that idea and runs with it. And it's yeah. like, no, the reason that he goes to Star Killer is that he's selfish. And it's not just for himself, but it's him and Ray in his mind versus the world.
0: Yeah. He there is a I don't know, really. I really hope they're not trying to force a love triangle here. I think I said that originally. God, I hope they're not trying to set up a love triangle here between him, Rose, and Ray. But you could tell that Finn and Ray really care about each other, possibly romantically. So,
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, I got that. I definitely, that definitely stands out to me in rewatching both films now. Like how yeah. how selfish it is. How selfish he was still in Force Awakens.
1: So, mm-hmm. so Ryan Johnson takes this idea and runs with it. And like I said when I was talking before about the kind of rhyming between the original trilogy and this new trilogy, Ryan Johnson's mission in developing Finn's character is to take him from being a selfish character into being a selfless character. Yeah. And you know, people always sit on the Canto Bite scene because they're like, I don't really get what this has to do with anything, and they're you know, they're just wasting their time. And Rose is like a fucking. White Knight or whatever fucking st- stupid
0: Poor, poor, political. poor Poor Kelly Tran. Like I know. They, they pulled her so hard
1: that she deleted every social media account that she had. And that is a damn shame.
0: You would think we had learned with the Ahmed Best situation. You would think you would in the Jake Lloyd situation you would think but alas unfortunately there's still parts of this fandom that just are fucking the worst. So anyway mm-hmm. I keep interrupting I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, so so people cut you know people shit on the Canto Bite scene, but its entire purpose is like you said the introduction of this war profiteering theme yeah. that is new for Star Wars, and so you have you have basically you have these two paradigms that uh, Finn is presented with. You introduce you so you have to introduce this DJ paradigm because you'd already introduced Rose's paradigm yes. where you had the completely DJ being completely selfish yeah. completely self-centered and you have Rose being completely selfless Yeah, and so you have the Canto Bite scene where you kind of first you introduce the the theme of moral ambiguity into the Star Wars universe and then you introduce the two uh the coin that the, are represented by
0: yeah, that moral the moral ambiguity the personifications of both choices
1: Mm-hmm. And so people shit on that all the time, and it's like, no, but you don't – you don't understand, like you don't get that this whole thing is to develop Finn's sense
0: of morality that he didn't have before this point. Yeah, I – again, I state this on the episode we did originally. My issue wasn't necessarily – Again, I was like, if you, the length was my big issue with this was like, if you were trying to shorten this length, cause it is the longest Star Wars film to date. And so I think that Canto Bite probably could have been chopped up a little bit to lessen the length. And honestly, my biggest issue was the contrivancy of, but again, this goes back to the holdo hang up, which I'm not going to get into cause we'll be here till fucking three o'clock in the morning talking about <laughs> that, uh, again, but it's the fact that it felt like, they needed something to do. They needed Finn to do something. So this was what it was. But I thought that, like, it, it felt contrived. But again, go listen to that first episode to hear more of my thoughts on that. But, uh, yeah, I props to Ryan Johnson for inserting some depth into Star Wars. Like, God forbid, right? <laughs> God forbid. We have some moral ambiguity in Star Wars. It's not just light side and dark side. It's so stupid. Anyway, so what's your least favorite? What's your do what, you have you settled on something? I think honestly, my least favorite part is that,
1: and and I guess this is kind of I guess this is kind of a whole movie thing. I felt like this movie, and I don't know because I haven't seen Rise of Skywalker yet, yeah. but I feel like this movie should have been Leia's movie, and the final movie should have been Luke's movie.
0: Yeah, and yeah, definitely. That's a great point.
1: I I that. That's my big thing for this movie, but the way they did it is fine. Yeah, I'm not mad about it. I think Luke had a great send off in this movie. Absolutely. But, but when I when I was watching this movie, I felt like it was going to be Leia's movie. And then when when the bridge when the bridge gets blown up, and you know she's lost in space, I was like, oh shit, she's dead
0: yeah. already. And then she wasn't, and I was. I'm not. I'm not mad. About her surviving that a not. One of the big disagreements is disagreements we have about this film is how is that particular aspect.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and as an aside, I don't remember the guy's name, but the dude that plays Admiral Akbar, fuck that guy. Like, <laughs> I, you don't need to have a better send off than that. Your your most memorable shit was a fucking meme, basically.
0: <laughs> yeah, you got you got some point. You got some. That that, that's that's you're not wrong, my brother. You're not wrong. (laughs) I did I did Um, I did neglect to mention one aspect I didn't like. While we get a little bit of Phasma fighting Finn, Phasma was a goddamn waste. Boba Fett Boba Fett award for this trilogy (laughs) goes to Captain Phasma. What a waste. What a waste.
1: Yeah, unless unless for some reason she's in this one, and who knows honestly. I
0: don't I don't think she is, man. I think she died. I don't I don't remember hearing Gwendolyn Christie being in this next one, so who knows? We'll see.
1: Yeah. But I mean, I thought that she died in the Force Awakens, and then she was like, "I'm not dead." <laughs>
0: <laughs> we got a little bit of her in this one, and it was a lot better than what we got in Force Awakens, but still ultimately a waste. Um, mm-hmm. I will say, my I, I think I, I, I while well, I went on my little rant about Poe Dameron, and I could keep going if I really wanted to, but it's it's again, we don't know. Each trilogy we've had so far, each of the two trilogies we've had so far, we see the complete picture. We see the overall story that's being told in each trilogy. So unfortunately with this one, we don't have the third piece yet. But I think one aspect that I really am worried about, and I think you share this worry as well because you kind of touched on it, is I don't know if they're all working from the same playbook here. Because like you had – so originally way back in the day when it was first announced, uh, you had J.J. working on The Force Awakens. With Michael Arndt and then Lawrence Kasdan came in and JJ wrote, and then you had episode eight, Last Jedi, was written and directed by Ryan Johnson, and he was going to write episode nine, and Colin Trevorrow was going to direct. That all went to hell because like now it's it was it's directed by episode nine is directed by JJ, and it's written by Chris Terrio and JJ. So it's like there was a lot of things that have changed since the original proposition, right? So. I think that's my biggest worry about this trilogy, man. Is like they they say that they're all kind of working together, and there seems to be an overall theme, an overall story they're trying to tell. But I don't know, man. I don't know if they're all working on the same playbook here, because I'm really worried about course correction and retconning of that might be coming in episode nine. Yeah. So I think that's my biggest concern. Is like JJ even said, like he wished he could have directed Ryan Johnson's script for the Last Jedi, and But honestly I'm like I don't know – I really don't know if there's a lot – there was a lot of continuity between Force Awakens. They feel like very different films saying very different things and things that were set up in Force Awakens were – I don't feel were properly executed or very satisfyingly – Snoke resolved – in The Last Jedi. And I feel like they killed a lot of character momentum going into, like we got a lot of resolution at the end of The Last Jedi. And again, I'm I'm regurgitating a lot of shit we talked about on that episode back in May 2018. I know we keep saying that, but I just want to keep stressing that because if you've listened to it, I apologize for the redundancy, but if you want to know more, go listen to that episode. It's actually a really good episode. Me and Ben have a very, very frank conversation about The Last Jedi, but uh, I'm just worried that like, I don't know, man. I really... I'm very worried about the Rise of Skywalker in that aspect. Like, I don't know if they're running the same playbook. And I'm like, I really don't know if they're trying to tell... If everyone was trying to tell the same story. So, that's my <clears throat> biggest concern. And that's very apparent between The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. So, <clears throat> again, I love... I really enjoy The Last Jedi. Really enjoy it. Again, it's getting better each time. But, I still say Force Awakens. Better... More more accessible, more fun in my book. So, Did you have anything okay. else to say about The Last Jedi? Um,
1: it's really good. Uh, And don't let the haters convince you to not watch it.
0: Yeah, man. And it's unfortunate because when we talked about Solo, we talked about how it didn't make a lot of money. It was kind of a disappointment for Disney and Lucasfilm. And a, part of it was the fact that it was released so quickly after The Force Awakens. It should have came out Christmas that year. I don't I still don't know why they didn't push it back considering the trouble production. Like, yeah. that film probably could have used a few more months of development. But it's really a shame that Solo suffered from the backlash. The fact that there was even a backlash against The Last Jedi is just so maddening. Like it's just I'm really I'm really worried that there's going to be backlash on this one, maybe warranted, maybe not, but like goddamn guys, fucking again. I said this in part 1. It's very, very hard to make a Star Wars film. It's very hard, and the yeah. fact that Ryan Johnson delivered something that has merit, that has depth, that is actually enjoyable to watch—what more? What more do we want, Benjamin? What more <laughs> do some ungrateful motherfuckers want?
1: Apparently, more white people,
0: and apparently, more like people that were mad that Luke didn't show up and actually fight. It's like, but that. But what we got was better. What we got was better. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not. I don't even think I. I think it's fair to say that we're last Jedi apologists because I don't think there's anything to apologize for. Like, yeah, I have issues with it. We covered my issues with it, but they're all they're all little things I had issues with. I think that overall the film works, and if you have a problem with it, I'm accusing you of being ungrateful because you just don't appreciate. You just don't appreciate something great. Yeah. I know. I'm preaching to the choir on this one. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so I think that's going to do it for Last Jedi. I think that's going to do it for all ten films. Yeah. It was a journey. We got there. I hope everyone got something out of it. And uh, it's time for... The moment of truth here. Oh
1: wait, wait, hold on! Before we before we give our definitive rankings, okay? We did letter
0: grades. Oh, last we time. did, we did. We I complete. God damn, Benjamin! I'm it's late. I'm tired. Okay, so a new hope. What are we doing? A definitely a solid A. I I can't yes. think of a better. I can't think of a, like yeah. I would even say A plus, but I'll I'll settle on A. Uh, I'm
1: settling on A because I'm saving my A plus. Yeah, definitely. For so Je- I'm sorry for for uh, Empire.
0: So without much further ado, A plus for Empire. We're on the same page on that one. Mm-hmm. Return of the Jedi. What do you think?
1: i will call it a B.
0: Yeah, um, I think we 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 generally we disagree on some things, but I think we're all we're both on the same page about the Holy Trilogy. Like we we're generally on the same page with each one of those films. Like, yeah, we appreciate it for what it is, and we're going to talk about more. We're gonna we're it's really going to be interesting where we shake on the uh, where it all shakes out on the rankings, but. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think most fans would agree with us. There's a general consensus about the quality of the each film in the Holy Trilogy. Um, mm. Okay, so Force Awakens, what do you got? A minus. I'm going to give it an A. I think that it's. I'm slightly more generous than you. Um, mm. Okay, so Last Jedi. A plus. See, I want to give it an A plus, Benjamin. I really do. I really do. But I'm going to give it an A minus. I'm going to give it because again. The humor stuff I've talked about before, before the Podammer and shit, the Holdo hang up, some other shit that just I'm like, sorry, Ryan Johnson, you made a great film, but I got issues with it. But it's still great. It's still an A. You're still getting the fucking honor roll, all right. Like you know, an A minus. It's not perfect, but honestly, it's still great. And anyone who thinks that A minus is a slight is fucking again ungrateful. So yeah, now moment of truth time. Yeah, I think so. Moment of truth. All right. I can't remember what we said on the first part because that was a while ago. So let's talk about we'll go we'll go okay. we'll go one for one. So what's your bottom? Alright, so we're
1: going worst to best.
0: Yep, worst to best.
1: Okay. One by one or all the way through?
0: Let's go let's go one to one and then we'll work our way to the top. Attack of the clones, uh, think, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh
1: I think this is uh true for both of us. Uh attack of the clones, definitely then phantom
0: menace. The then phantom menace, right? Yes, then Phantom Menace. And then I probably have Solo. That feels weird. I, th-
1: I think I might have Revenge
0: of the Sith. Okay, and we're allowing for ties, so if you feel the need for a tie, feel free. But uh, I would say Solo, but not that Solo is a bad film.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it's
0: Solo for me. Yeah, um, and I have Re- I have Revenge of the Sith next. Because mm-hmm. uh, those Mustafar scenes are better than anything in Solo, so I have Rogue One next. What do you have? Yeah, Rogue One. Yeah, see, we're we're kind of we're 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 on the same page. Okay, now it gets now it's starting to get a little bit spicier. Mm-hmm. So, what do you have next? Return of the Jedi. Yeah, I think that's fair. I'll go Return of the Jedi next, and now it's getting even the heat is the heat is increasing here. The heat is on.
1: All right, here it comes. Force Awakens.
0: <sighs> nope. Nope. <laughs> And I'm, I'm Last Jedi. Uh, like, I think that, I think that Last Jedi is, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird how we diverge. We're not that far apart, but we do diverge. It's really weird how it's, it's, it's very, it, it's, it's very endemic of that divergence. Uh, so next up is, uh, I imagine you have, so I have after Return of the Jedi, I have the Last Jedi. And then I have The Force Awakens. What do you have next? Okay.
1: So for me, after uh, Force Awakens is a tie
0: Okay, between A New Hope and Last Jedi. See, it's not a tie for me. I, as much as I love The Force Awakens, I got to give it A New Hope. So it's clearly that A New Hope, I think, is better than The Force Awakens. But mm-hmm. I understand where that tie arises for you because as I understand how much you the affinity you have for Last Jedi, so I imagine I can understand why that's a close call for you and then obviously um, Empire obviously is the best there's no there's no question like we talked about yeah. when we discussed Empire there's no question like again if you were saying the only the only one I could hear an argument for is if you think A New Hope is better than Empire which I'm like okay I don't really buy that but I think that's the o- I really think that's the only one I would be like I wouldn't dismiss on premise.
1: Uh, Yeah, I think so. Uh, Yeah, it would be one of those. I disagree, but I respect your opinion.
0: Yeah, it's like, I can't really say anything bad about a new hope. Like, it's like, I think you'd be buying into a lot of historic arguments more than story or like final product argument. Like, it's like, well, uh, uh, a new hope has more weight historically and significance wise, but it's like, but is it better though? It's like, oh, that. That's a tough sell. That's a tough sell right there. I think Empire is... I don't know what it would take. What do you think? Do you think it'll ever be toppled? So, I actually...
1: I was watching... Uh, I have a friend that that is a big movie buff and is also a big Star Wars buff. And he was doing his, you know, series rewatch, yeah. you know, to get ready for Skywalker. And he said that he, you know, bucks that trend. And he thinks that A New Hope is the better movie okay uh but i think at the end of the day it's because he feels specifically for my nitpick with with empire with the whole han yeah you know that whole scene so because of that a new
0: hope stands up better yeah
1: so in this day and age
0: yeah yeah, but then they fucked up Han shot first. So it's like, god as, <laughs> as problematic as the Leia Han shit is sometimes.
1: Yeah, I know. Six and one half a dozen. Yeah, I hour.
0: know, it's tough. It's <laughs> tough. But I think in closing, anyone listening to part one and, you know, part two of this, and any episode Ben and I have been on, there's usually some kind of Star Wars reference or some to that effect. I think I think we anyone listening can appreciate how much we value these movies and how seriously we take it and uh it's like i tell everyone the saints the new orleans saints and star wars are the closest thing i have to a religion like i i'm an atheist and it's like it's the only, it's like i i don't really push what i have what i love on other people i really don't i try not to but like i will try and be like have you seen star wars no oh well come on man let me let me tell you why you should watch star wars
1: or why oh, yeah, you should for sure yeah I, that is that is I I I do not advocate for pros, proselytization. Yeah. But Star Wars, I will I will shove it. I will ride on my bike with my little name tag <laughs> and my black slacks, white shirt, and Star Wars tie.
0: <laughs> it's it's
1: spreading just, the gospel.
0: It's just it's it's probably the defining American film pop culture. Like I can't. Maybe The Godfather, maybe... uh I don't know. I don't know. I don't think there's a more popular franchise. Like, over... Since it was released, and to this day, it'd be very interesting what they do after The Rise of Skywalker, film-wise. But I think, mm-hmm. franchise-wise, it's in good shape. The Mandalorian, Obi-Wan, Cassian yeah. Andor, and K2SO's show. I think that... With Disney Plus and the serialization and the TV shows that are coming our ways, I think there's room to grow in that department. The video games, we didn't even talk about that. There's a whole storied history of Star Wars video games. But it will be interesting film-wise, episode-wise, what they're going to do with it. But I think from start to present, I don't think there's a more popular franchise. I don't think there's more exalted a more celebrated franchise like it, it has it won all the awards no has it but i don't know if there's been a franchise in american pop culture of the past 40 plus years i don't think there's one that has had more weight to it there are two that come to mind
1: but i think that they i i don't think that they stack up at all in the in the scale that this does
2: yeah it's you just have, yeah
1: like you have harry potter yeah and you have and you have the uh, the uh, Lord of the Rings and everything tolkien did but i i they
0: i I don't think they measure up at all, yeah, and I feel like those are both more literature based and more british based so I don't know I can't think of a more american centric uh yeah as closely held to, like, I feel like there are people in this country who've never seen a Star Wars and know Star Wars. Like, they know the general gist of it. It's like, it's our Odyssey, man. It's our Iliad. It's Yeah. It It is the story. And as we pointed out, it's not perfect. There's flaws with it. You know, George Lucas is a flawed storyteller. The stories have flaws to them. It's not perfect, but we love it despite it. And overall, it's just... This word gets thrown around a lot and it's kinda of cliche at this point, but it's a magical story and it's mm-hmm. it's very dear to my heart and I know it's very dear to your heart. So yeah. I think I don't really have anything else to say. What do you do you have anything? Any any words? Any any closing remarks? I mean, I think I, I think I've said everything I need to say. We're really excited about Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. We will be we will see it okay, so this is coming out on the eighteenth. We will see it on the twenty second, is that right? Like so the 18th? I think so. 19th, yeah. We are seeing it together, because I'll be in town, and we're going to go see it together like two bros. We're going to go see it Monday, and we're going to record an episode right after. That episode should probably be going out either that Tuesday or that Wednesday afterwards. It'll be a mini episode. It'll probably be like 20 minutes, 25 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, somewhere around there. And we're just going to give our review, a spoiler review of what we feel about it. Hopefully we have nothing but positive things to say, Benjamin. But I think we can both agree, Rise of Skywalker, not the best title. Really not. No. Don't really yeah. like it, but... Hopefully, that will be the only bad thing we have to say about that film. Yeah,
1: maybe maybe we'll see the movie and be like, oh, that's a good title.
0: Oh my god, it all clicks. It all makes sense. (laughs) So yeah, man, that's going to do it for us. Ben, I really appreciate it. I know I don't have to twist your arm to come on the pod and definitely don't need to twist your arm to come on the pod to talk Star Wars. I've been looking forward to this all year (laughs) because, you know, like I said in part one, this is the end of the Skywalker saga, so we had to take our time and – really go through each of these films as much as we could. Um I'm really excited to go see this with you. And you know, I'll probably be texting or calling you Friday morning and we'll probably talk yep. uh Friday afternoon, or Friday after work to be like, "Yo, so Rise of Skywalker." So, uh am yep. really excited. Yep. Uh yep. so that's going to do it for us tonight, guys. Thank you for listening to part 1 and part 2. If you listen if you didn't miss if you missed part 1, I encourage you to go listen to it. And thank you for listening to this episode. Please like, subscribe, share with all the people you know, any Star Wars fans. I hope they like this. And if you're not a Star Wars fan, I hope we converted you and got you interested in it. And all these films, if you have Disney Plus, are most of them available. And if you have Netflix, Solo and Last Jedi are on there, so you you can. They're they're very accessible. And I think that if you haven't watched it, I think you're think you should, and you'd be better for it. So uh, yeah. that's gonna do it for us tonight, guys. It is late as fuck. I have work tomorrow, so yep. yeah. All right, man. I guess uh. I wish you good night, and, you know, onwards and upwards and, you know, the Force will be with us no matter what. And again, to quote the Chirrut Imwe, I fear nothing for all is as the Force wills it. Well said. (laughs) Well said. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. Sounds good. All right, bye.